You're in the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. On the Paracast with Gene and Chris, we welcome back George Knapp. And those of you who have been longtime listeners of the show know that he is, number one, a member of the I-Team for KLAS-TV Channel 8 in Las Vegas. He's one of the few or rare investigative journalists around these days. And before we go on with that, George, what has happened to investigative journalism? It seems that these departments are being cut out, or particularly in newspapers, they don't even run them anymore. What's gone on with well, it? Well, it's expensive uh, to conduct investigative journalism, and a lot of lot of stations, if they had an I-team type uh, setup, have eliminated them. We've made ours bigger. We've expanded it. It's one of the biggest in the country. I mean, it's three reporters, three full-time photojournalists, and a producer, and uh, we crank out stories every day. I think a lot of it has to do with the audience. You know, it's easy to blame journalism, point a finger at TV stations for cutting back, but a lot of it has to do with where the audience has gone. And uh, a lot of folks get their news online. They want uh, the convenience of grabbing a bit or a piece of a story here or there, and they don't want to sit down and watch a newscast. I think it's bad in a lot of ways. We don't have a communal campfire anymore. People are have found their own niches. They find... Uh, a comfortable place that reinforces their preconceived political views, and that's the news they watch. Liberals watch MSNBC and conservatives watch Fox, and it just drives a, a wedge further and further, I think, through the community, the, the, the country. In addition, I mean, people, why they watch entertainment, they watch junk, they send out tweets, they do emails, they're on Facebook, they're not watching news. It's sad, and the day will come when um, I think people, there, there are great advantages to, for example, the explosion of online news and uh, bloggers and things of that sort, but that is no substitute for professional journalists who are trained to dig into stuff, who have the authority and the clout to force people to answer tough questions, as opposed to people that just uh, write opinions online and, and post it and get paid by the word. So it's a, a sad thing in a lot of ways in the big picture, but there are pockets of, of hopeful developments. Uh, KLAS, where I work, is, is one of them. I mean, I, I work at the best uh, station, the best news organization in Nevada. Las Vegas, I think, is the best news town in America. Maybe Washington is, is neck and neck, but there's never a slow day here, and I have the best job in the best news organization and the best news town in america so i'm a happy camper <laughs> and you've been there for a number of years which is so rare in the broadcast business where people go from station to station as they do i think the thing that bothers me so much george is the fact that the cable tv news shows are so much involved in fake conflicts so much involved in entertainment more than delivering the news I'm right there with you on that. I mean, getting two people to yell at each other is not news. That's not hard to do either. Everybody is so, they wear their ch uh, a chip on their shoulder about everything. Everybody, you know what it's like online and, and on the air. People are ready to fight at the drop of a hat over some perceived slight. And and, uh, and they and mention is, my name very thing. often, George, in connection with that. <laughs> if you look up my name, you'll see there's always a pocket of people, and I've been online for 30 years. There's always a pocket of people out there who have nothing better to do than to make up stories. Not that I don't do things wrong, or I don't screw up, or I'm not wrong quite often. But they'll make up stuff just to start flame wars, and it never ends. 
I know exactly what you mean. I've been on the receiving end of some of that stuff myself. But the fact is, I like what I do. That's why I've stayed there so long. They give me freedom to go after whomever uh, needs the attention, bad guys, corporations, even corporate sponsors. Uh, it's wherever the story leads, I have the freedom to follow it. And we just won our second Peabody Award. It's pretty unusual for a, a local station to get a Peabody, and I've got, now I've got two of them. I was in New York earlier this year. We I won a DuPont for a program we did about uh, the foreclosure mass Las Vegas. It was hard hit, so I like what I do. I hope I, I stay with it forever and they have to kick me out because it's a great job and a, and a, and a great profession. And, and I think it, we need more uh, investigative journalism, not less. I, I'm right there with you on that. Well, let's hope they don't kick you out. Okay. <laughs> I hope not. All right. The thing I'm going to ask, and I'm going to relate this to my own experience working in broadcast news for radio stations, and that is back in the 70s when we had UFO flaps and everything and I was a young whippersnapper news director of a suburban Philadelphia radio station I got to do what I wanted and maybe they didn't understand what this UFO and paranormal stuff was all about and they let me get away with it you know we had flaps there in southeast Pennsylvania and I'd report the stories and I'd go to the conventions on the weekend and everything, and I was having fun. I was even putting out a UFO-oriented magazine. Never crossed their mind that I was doing anything unusual. Of course, you're a very public personality. In addition to being with the I-Team, you've been a weekend host over at Coast to Coast AM, so you're in the thick of it. What does your management think? Do they just kind of smile at you or what? Well, they're pretty supportive. They've been they've been amazingly supportive. The thing is, I was you know already established. I had ten years under my belt at KLES TV, chasing mob mobsters and uh, exposing political corruption before I ever jumped into the UFO field. So I was the same guy. I mean, it, you know, by the time 1989 rolled around when we did the first Lazar stuff, I was established. So you know, they knew me as a as a fairly regular and dependable reporter. Uh, I guess in a lot of people's eyes, I went nuts when I started jumping into this uh, this crazy field. But because I had done other things that people found to be credible, they gave me the freedom. And the station trusted me. They knew I wasn't going to go too far and, and screw up, that I, that I had a certain level of discernment, and I wasn't going to put total crazies on. I'd do some homework. So they'd give me the freedom. As long as there's a good, legitimate Las Vegas or Nevada angle to a story, I have the freedom to chase UFOs or cattle mutilations or things like uh, the Skinwalker Ranch, whatever, as long as the, I can make it fit as a legitimate news story. Now, Skinwalker Ranch, how far is that from Las Vegas? Oh, it's a long ways. It's a good 10-hour drive. Sure. But the fact is, a lot of the principal characters are from Las Vegas. Uh, Bob Bigelow, who owns the ranch, is here. His uh, team of investigators, Nids, Colin Kelleher, they're all here. So that's sort of the link that I made. The, the ranch itself is a long way away, but the principal investigators are all here. So I didn't know you were a, a news director back east. That's, that's something I knew. I, I learned just tonight. Okay. <laughs> I try to have all these surprises. I try to bring out surprises. I was also the first full-time employee for Jim Mosley's Saucer News. I was a managing editor. So. Oh, man, that was so much fun. That, that publication was so much fun for so long. And Jim was such a close friend, a lot of fun, so much fun to talk to, and we just really miss him to death. Listen, why don't I get into Bob Bigelow for a moment, because he was on Coast to Coast AM with you a couple of weeks back. And I'm going to ask some crazy questions, and we'll get on to in the next segment to continue that, and I know a lot of our listeners have questions about Mr. Bigelow. 
But the first one, of course, is when you worked out the interview with him, did he want to know in advance the areas you were going to cover? No, we had a general uh, understanding, uh, you know, because I've always given him as sort of a green light to come on when he wanted. I think he wanted to come on and talk about the space stuff because he's getting ready to announce with NASA a pretty big deal in which his company, Bigelow Aerospace, will sort of be the clearinghouse for the next space race. I mean, he's he signed a deal with NASA that he will basically be their man on the ground. He'll identify different companies uh, that are they're going to be next part of the next wave. NASA has finally uh, agreed to sort of get out of the way and let private commercial companies take the lead. They'll partner with them. They'll support them. They'll give technical expertise, but they'll try to stay out of the way. And Bob is right in the thick of it. So that's what he wanted to talk about. But I told him, look, we, we got to talk about other stuff. You know, the ranch for one thing, and then confirmation. Uh, he and I have had private conversations about the whole disclosure issue, these hearings that are coming up at the end of the month uh, in Washington and the uh, efforts to sort of squeeze the government and get them to admit what we all suspect we know about UFOs. And Bob uh, has expressed an opinion that I've heard now from a number of people whom I respect, people with intelligence or military backgrounds who uh, they talk to me on deep background. I know, Gene, that you have people like that who tell you things and Got to tell our listeners things right now. We'll have more to go with George Knapp. You're in the Paracast. You know, neighbors, meetings are essential to the way we work. It's an opportunity to share ideas, problem solve, and even develop creative solutions. But you know, if your team is spread out in all sorts of different locations, you know, coming together can be an impossible task. That is, of course, unless you use GoToMeeting with HD Faces. You know it's the powerful, simple way to meet and collaborate online. And, of course, when I try to get together with Chris and our guests for the show, you can see that we have to meet online because we can't get together. We're too far away. That's why we use GoToMeeting with HD Faces. Try GoToMeeting free for 30 days. For this special offer, visit GoToMeeting.com. Click the Try It Free button. Use the promo code PODCAST. Remember, use the promo code PODCAST at GoToMeeting.com. GoToMeeting. You see, meeting is believing. Friends, this is Alex Jones for MidasResources.com. For more than 15 years, I have exclusively used Midas Resources for all my precious metal needs. Whether it's bullion or collectibles you're looking for, Midas Resources is simply the best. I own my gold as a hedge against inflation. This Federal Reserve fiat currency could go the way of the Deutschmark and the Weimar Republic anytime. In these historically dangerous times, it makes sense to physically hold gold and silver. Midas already has some of the best deals in the industry. But if you give them a call and mention the radio special, they will give you a list of the day's super specials. Midas brokers are standing by to answer all your questions at 800-686-2237. They also have a lot of informative free literature explaining the opportunities and risk of holding precious metals. They are ready to answer your questions at 800-686-2237. Again, that's 800-686-2237. 
You've heard about our MRE Smorgasbord. Now, Long Life Food Depot introduces the most unique, safe, and longest-lasting way to stash emergency food, the Eat Pod. Most survival food products recommend an ideal storage environment, including low temps, low moisture, and low oxygen. If you're storing in a basement too humid, garages and attics too hot, but the waterproof, double-walled, high-density polyethylene patent-pending Eat Pod is a unique roll-away food bunker that creates the perfect conditions, can be buried up to 30 feet, and can keep your survival food supply safe, secure, dry, and virtually undetectable for 25 years or more. Get full details on the Eat Pod at eatpod.com, spelled E-A-T-P-O-D.com, or call 800-601-2833. That's 800-601-2833. The Eat Pod from Long Life Food Depot. Since 1983, sending real food to your real future. Amino acids are the building blocks of proteins. Amino acids have to be delivered to your body in the shape that nature gave them if they are to be used to create new proteins in your body. Just like a bricklayer cannot use bent or twisted bricks to build a brick wall, so too your body cannot use bent or twisted amino acids to build new proteins. Giving your body an undamaged amino acid food can make a huge difference in your health. One World Way is an undamaged amino acid food unlike any other. You see, heating bends and twists amino acids, and all whey protein powders we've investigated and most proteins you consume are heated. With our True Cool process, you now have a choice with One World Way. My name is Daniel. I'm 34 years old. When I started using One World Way, I weighed 228 pounds. Now, after two and a half months, I weigh 182 pounds. This is my ideal weight. I've noticed an increase in stamina, rate of recovery from workouts, and an increase in my potency. Call 888-988-3325 or visit OneWorldWay.com. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com. With Gene and Chris, you're in the Paracast. We have George Knapp. He's from KLAS-TV Channel 8 in Las Vegas, an investigative reporter, part of their I-Team and also very much involved in UFO and paranormal research. And we're talking about his association in terms of interviewing and knowing Bob Bigelow, a very wealthy man who may, as they say, overhaul the space program. Now, over the years, George, one of the big criticisms I've had of Congress and the presidents is they haven't really given much attention to the space program. They've let it languish. They've let it die. So what is going to happen here with Bigelow? Is he going to finance the flights or what? He will be doing the same thing his company has been working on for a while. I mean, his central focus is building these inflatable space habitats. Uh, One of his habitats in January, they announced it will be added to the ISS, the International Space Station. And then Bigelow quietly announced in January something even bigger. He's putting $250 million of his own money to build his own private space station, a a rival, if you will, to the ISS, and he is hoping, he is rolling the dice and hoping that SpaceX or somebody else will be ready to go to help get it up there into space. NASA is now supporting that, and it said, Bigelow, we want to use your space modules, not only in near-Earth orbit as an international space station contemporary, but also as something on the lunar surface. I mean, this contract that he signed that that we talked about on Coast to Coast, specifically mentions uh, building a base on the moon and then going further to Mars 
And then it says exploring the outer reaches of the solar system. So it's very exciting stuff if NASA follows through and gets out of the way. And Bigelow's right in the middle of it. I really hope that, that they stick to it, uh, the conditions of this, this deal. As I was mentioning to you before the break, uh, when Bob was going to come on the show, I basically laid out, I didn't tell him what the questions were going to be, but I said, for an hour, we'll spend time on the space stuff, because I know he wanted to talk about that. And then we'll, in the second hour, we'll get into weird stuff and talk about disclosure versus confirmation, because Bob is of the opinion, if you heard the interview, that there is a program underway. You know, you and I, Gene, have been around this a long time. We've talked about, we've heard this rumor every year. This is the year the big story is going to come out, confirmation, or the government's going to say something that never happened. He says something that I've heard from other people whose opinions I trust, who are in positions to know these things, that there is a program underway, that, that it is it is happening. If we hold our breath for a formal disclosure, it's never going to happen. I don't believe it. I don't know if you believe it. But I don't see any day when the president's going to step up to a podium and announce that, yeah, UFOs are real. We've got crashed saucers and alien bodies, and we've known about it for a long time, and we've been lying. That is not going to happen, and for a variety of reasons. So Let's move into that here. A variety of reasons. Now, let me just put my point of view across, and then I can ask you the reasons you think there won't be immediate disclosure. And I think just look at history. Look at history. I've known all the so-called greats in the UFO field over the years, even Major Donald Kehoe. And in the 1950s, when he released his first books, Major Kehoe said there'd be disclosure. He expected it to happen then. He complained about the so-called silence group, the program to keep things a secret. And he suggested it's going to come out. It never came out during his lifetime. We've had over the years people saying it's going to happen this year, it's going to happen next year, and now we have Stephen Greer saying something's going to happen this year. It never seems to happen. And I've expressed in newsletters over at the Paracast forums and the ones we send out to our listeners why I think disclosure is not going to happen, and if it happens, it's going to be forced upon the authorities. What are your reasons? Well, I, I agree with you pretty much down the line. If, if it were forced, say, by a couple of things. One is the visitors, whoever they are, wherever they're from, they can make themselves known. As, as Whitley Strieber has said uh, before, they're the true architects of the secrecy. They appear uh, to people when they want and, and don't appear to others. And, and if they wanted to be known, they would. So it starts with them. Secondly, I think the government is, has painted itself into a corner. It's lied to us so much for so long. As one congressional investigator told me who came out here to Area 51 back in the 90s to look around and chase down some of these stories, he said, look, if this stuff is true, these guys are going to go to jail. They've been lying to the public, to the media, to Congress. They've been taking national security funds from legitimate national security programs to keep this cover-up going, and they're going to go to jail. So that by itself would be a reason. But I think there are some other more pertinent uh, realities, the political realities. There's no president going to stand up and announce this stuff. He'd be done. He, he could kiss whatever other agenda he had goodbye, because this would totally dominate it, assuming he had any credibility left whatsoever. There's also the national security aspect, and this is what Bigelow talked about. There are national security implications if, in fact, there is some kind of visitation that's been ongoing, that there's been communication, and there are technological secrets to be revealed, which I think there are. I think, I think there are. I don't know if Roswell is real. I mean, that's been so muddied or how many of these alleged crashes have occurred, but I think there's hardware 
I think there's a small group of people who've studied it and learned a great deal, and they want to keep it to us and not give an advantage by making some announcement that might get the Chinese and the Russians working on it. I think that is the reality. Now, you also face the very very real problems of who is it that knows this stuff? Disclose what? Because, I mean, just saying that aliens are here enough, would that be enough for you? Because it wouldn't be enough for me. Once you open that box, it's hard to cut off the questions. I, I suspect that the people who know what's really going on or know more than anybody else, it's a very small group, might not even be within government anymore. Might have been diffused out there in the, in the private sector uh, just to keep uh, away from prying eyes. And I also suspect that there's no one who really understands the big picture. I'm not sure we're meant to understand it. I'm not sure these, these are something as simple as aliens visiting from another planet. It's alien, all right, but I'm not sure that means extraterrestrial. It may be that no one really knows what the hell is going on. Well, of course, we have talked a lot about other possible theories about UFOs, especially on the Paracast. We've emphasized a number of different possibilities. I remember, of course, this book about ultra-terrestrials, of course, is the John Keel version. And then we have the crypto-terrestrials from the late Mac Tonys, who came on the show occasionally. He was talking about another race that coexisted with us on the Earth, or maybe they're in another dimension, and we get into some pretty strange things. But the one thing, George, I want to bring out is we're assuming when we talk about disclosure, it's got to be the United States of America. But it doesn't have to be, does it? You're right. Exactly right. Bigelow had talked about that, too, is that uh, another thing that could force our hand, if not the visitors themselves, would be China, Russia, Brazil. These countries uh, don't necessarily uh, toe the line. I mean, the, the countries that do toe the line are the ones who are our strongest allies, Britain and Australia and Canada. Those are the countries that don't really, they, they've opened up some files, but don't really spill any secrets and don't talk about this stuff. But there's nothing holding China back anymore or Russia. So if they were to make an announcement, it might actually take us off the hook, let, let our government off the hook by, uh, by putting all the, uh, the, uh, the pressure on some foreign government and letting them answer the questions instead of ours. Of course, uh, we have that wacky guy over in North Korea. What if they knew something? Yeah. What if a UFO landed there and they captured it? What would I, have I happened? I thought the same thing. What about Cuba? Why doesn't Cuba do it? it just to, just to uh, uh, mess with us. <laughs> got George Knapp. We're talking about his many decades-long experience investigating UFO and paranormal events. We've got loads of questions from our listeners. So much more to come. You're in the Paracast. <laughs> The GCN Radio Network, providing the world with hard-hitting talk radio. GCN. Great talk radio starts here. Attack of the Rockoids has been well-received by critics and readers alike. It's a -a thrill-a-minute story you'll never forget. A former U.S. military intelligence officer is haunted by intense dreams about a beautiful woman pleading for his help after a terrible battle in outer space. But the dreams turn out to be true and thrust him into a telepathic love affair with a woman whose faraway planet is intent on destroying the Earth. And now the gripping tale continues in The Coming of the Protectors. It's the second book of the Rockoids trilogy, a galaxy-spanning adventure that pits our hapless heroes against powerful, fanatical enemies that threaten the lives of freedom-loving beings everywhere. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors. Classic science fiction at its best. Available now. 
For more details, visit rockoids.com. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. Virtually anyone could be tracking you right now through your cell phone. The fact is, anyone can track your calls, your text, emails, your every movement, but only if they can detect a signal. That's the new warning from the American Civil Liberties Union. It's just released the results of an investigation that found law enforcement agencies across the country track personal cell phones on a regular basis as a form of surveillance. That's why you need Blocket Pocket. Blocket Pocket is a standard or custom designed cloth pocket infused with pure silver that creates a complete Faraday enclosure for any mobile device with blocket pocket all incoming and outgoing signals are blocked including harmful radiation and your device cannot be hacked or tracked by anyone handmade in the usa blocket pocket costs less than 30 dollars and ships free to the lower 48 call 888-315-9618 or click blocket pocket spelled b-l-o-c-k-i-t-p-o-c-k-e-t.com blocket pocket enhancing health and privacy Are you still a traditional smoker? Now experience a new lifestyle and try vaping with e-cigarettes by LeSig. Imagine no ashes, stains, nasty smell, or coughing and hacking. With LeSig e-cigarettes revolutionary microelectronic technology, rechargeable battery, and unique replaceable cartridge, you'll get all the benefits and satisfaction of smoking without the hazards. Choose your taste from a wide variety of our new American-made vaporian e-liquids at LeSig.com. And LeSig smokes the competition by serving thousands of worldwide customers with real people customer service fast free same day shipping and a 30 day warranty and satisfaction guarantee so are you ready for a new vaping lifestyle then call 870-518-4307 that's 870-518-4307 or visit lesig.com spelled l-e-c-i-g.com lesig e-cigarettes for today's modern smoker why should you be in Arizona this month? One reason. Prepper Fest AZ. Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, April 26th through 28th. Get free training and hands-on experience from leading preparedness experts. Everything you need to be prepared. Plus, longevity information. And guest speaker Dr. Joel Wallach speaks on Sunday. Don't miss Prepper Fest AZ. April 26th through 28th in Scottsdale, Arizona. For schedule and flyer worth $2 off, go to PrepperFestAZ.com. That's PrepperFestAZ.com. We the people grow cotton, weave fabric, engrave ink, embed strips and fibers to protect from counterfeit and carting to a private bank, having it lent back at interest, forcing taxes to service debt. This capitalism, or was Jefferson correct when stating a central bank issuing the public currency is a greater menace to the liberties of the people than a standing army? Hi, Ted Anderson. I'm placing a free silver dollar in a book that explains our monetary system. Call for your copy, 800-686-2237. It's time to understand the system. Call 800-686-2237. That's 800-686-2237. This is Kurt Seven, the author of UFO Mysteries, and you're listening to the Paracast. With Gene and Chris on the Paracast, we have George Knapp, and we're exploring UFOs, possible disclosure, and I want to ask him a few things in a moment. But we have to cover this. There are occasional conspiracy theories out there about Bob Bigelow, and I guess, of course, part of it is with his association with the Mutual UFO Network. It seemed that information was going in, nothing going out, that sort of thing. What's your take on that? Well, I've, I've read that stuff, and I've heard it, and uh, I don't know. I guess I, I've known the guy for a long time, so I am biased in this sense. 
He has spent more money out of his pocket on UFO research than any person in the history of the world. Millions and millions of dollars. He's given it to individual researchers to, to go off on their own. He's given it to UFO organizations. And every single time he's given it to UFO organizations or the professional ufologists, they have screwed it up. I understand that Bob is sort of a, a harsh taskmaster. He expects results from uh, from when he puts up some money. He wants to see some something happen with it, not just give it away. He uh, gave MUFON the chance to have boots-on-the-ground investigators go out and, and find and, and, and investigate these cases. And I know I've heard these stories about the cases uh, go into MUFON and then they disappear. I don't think it's true. I, I mean, I, I don't think it's true, but I understand why Bob would want to have access to the files that he paid for. As for government connections, I also understand those. I mean, I've seen so many crazy descriptions of Bob, his He's made his fortune from the tea business, or he's a casino owner, or he's a shadowy figure. He's not shadowy. He's He's been media shy over the years because he was worried about uh, he's a very wealthy guy, and he'd like to be able to go get a hamburger without people hitting him up for money or kidnapping his grandkids. So he never did interviews until I, I sort of pushed him into that, and now he's much more open. But he's not shadowy. He's given millions of dollars to universities and charities here, and I, I'll tell you further is that he does have government uh, connections at, at very high levels. He's made no secret about it. I mean, the NIDS board, when the NIDS organization was created, was made up of a lot of former intelligence people and military people and astronauts, folks who had been on the inside who had an interest in this topic. I think that makes sense to have those kind of people there. If you are a UFO conspiratorial uh, of a conspiratorial bent, you say, oh, my gosh, that's the evil government. Well, why wouldn't you want people like that who know a little bit about how government works to be there uh, pursuing uh, legitimate questions, the same kind of questions that all of us have? Bigelow, the last time he was on the radio show with me, made an announcement. Uh, is when he created BAS, the Bigelow Advanced Aerospace, whatever the uh, acronym stands for, he said, uh, we have a partner. He said, we have a partner, and he wouldn't specify who the partner is, but it was a sponsor. Now, we can guess all day about who it is. He hasn't told me, but I'm guessing that it has some kind of government connection. And I guess you could look at that in a dark way. Oh, my God, he's partnering with the government. You can also look at it in a positive way, which is how I've seen it is. The government or the people who are there now in certain agencies don't know the answers to this stuff, and they want to know. They're willing to put up some, some dough to let people uh, who are fairly professional and who have an interest in pursuing these mysteries do the work for them, work that they can't do themselves, certainly not out in the open. I think that's a positive thing. I fully understand how people can see that as dark and conspiratorial and Bigelow wants to take up or move on. But I'll tell you, I, I just think that that is a bunch of BS. It's, a, it's an exaggeration. It's over-the-top conspiratorial and, and that in general... What he's done for ufology and for research in the area far outweighs uh, the negative that some people have perceived. So therefore, you don't think that, and we're being theoretical here, that some people in the government, somebody connected to NSA or something, goes to Mr. Bigelow and says, look, we need your help to investigate this. We're going to let you in on a few things, but you can't reveal what they are. And it's guilty knowledge of the reality of UFOs. Do you think he'd do it? Uh, if I were to make a guess, I would say yes. Uh, and what about you, Gene? What would you do in that situation? 
I asked myself that question. If so, there was a knock on the door, and somebody said, "Look, we want you to stop doing these stories. We're going to let you know what goes on, uh, but you got to stop doing stories. You can still work on it, but it can't go public." Now, would I do it? I, I don't know. I, I'd be awfully tempted. I, I would certainly think about it. I guess if they waive big fat dollar bills, almost anybody, you'd have to think. And you well, have to think about it. Big, big fat dollar bills wouldn't work for Bigelow. He's got... Uh, sure, I'm not talking to him. Already. I'm not talking about Bob yeah. Bigelow. I'm talking about yeah. Gene Steinberg or George Knapp. Because well, I, I, I would bet that you would be motivated by the same thing as me, and that you're more interested in knowing what goes on than making a bunch of money about it, wouldn't you? Wouldn't you be motivated by finding out something that you didn't know before? Well, I'll tell you something. If I was motivated by making a lot of money, I'd be in a different line of business. As my wife continues to remind me, so I don't want to go there, but we understand the point. Now, let's go back to the disclosure thing, because you were implying some things before from your sources, and maybe you can give us some more detail about what you expect to happen. I'm looking for, if any disclosure at all, a gradual, very slow disclosure that may play out over years. What do you think? That's exactly what, what I've been told. And, you know, we've heard that. You and I have heard that over the years, that something like that is underway. Ever since that uh, that study in the early 1960s about, gosh, if you do this all of a sudden, it could cause uh, disintegration of societal institutions. It's got to be gradual. And, you know, we've seen what looks like a gradual program, and I just thought it was kind of coincidental, movies and TV and books and getting us ready. But it's more than that now. And I think there are some, some hints that have been dropped in the last year that make us make me think that it really is going on, in addition to what I've been told behind the scenes. This ex-CIA guy who says all of a sudden out of the blue, yeah, I found this box marked Roswell CIA headquarters. It's, uh, it convinced me that it's real and I can't say any more about it. Uh, or, you know, the people who have come out with sort of fictionalized versions uh, of uh, the UFO story, uh, people with intelligence backgrounds, that's the way they do that stuff. That's one way to tell the story without violating any kind of national security uh, restrictions. So I think there is something underway, and I think the, the pace has been stepped up in the last couple of months. I don't expect any grand announcement uh, anytime soon, but uh, but it seems like the pace has been picked up, and, and if you're paying attention, you could you could see it yourself. Well, let's look at the examples here. Can you give us a few ideas of where we might see disclosure? I don't think it's just finding water on Mars. No, uh, I don't think it's water on Mars. But, you know, they're, they're edging closer and closer to saying life is there. It absolutely astounds me that we send a rover up there to find evidence for the possibility that life could exist on Mars, but not actual evidence that life is there. They don't have the tests on the on the latest rover to actually confirm that life is there, which is ridiculous. Why do you send a probe that far, spend the money on it, and not answer the central question that's on everyone's mind? Uh, I think it it shows that it is sort of a uh, that shows me that they're doing it in in bits and pieces and in, in in steps at a time. Uh, it sounds I, like you know, damn uh, peculiar. You know, you look at all the evidence you could uncover. And you wonder how much they can do. And it's possible, I guess, for the lunar rovers to be doing a lot more than we are told. I well, guess. you remember the Viking. The Viking back in the 70s did a test that, it, that uh, the initial result was we found life. And NASA was, oh, no, 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 wait a second. Hold on. Let's back way up and, and, uh, 
and uh, we've got to back off that. That's not what we found, but they had a test back then that confirmed life, and since then, all these probes that have gone up there don't have the same kind of capabilities to answer that question. you you got a, a, a rover there now that can drill into the ground, it can analyze soil, but it doesn't have the capability to, to detect actual life, just the conditions for life. That makes no sense to me. That says that they're stretching it out. It, it just... It says to me in, in big, bold letters or bloody handwriting on the wall that they're dragging this stuff out. Well, as we say, how do we know that they don't have the equipment? I mean, look how much capabilities yeah. we can put into an iPhone and then That's think about point. putting a few of those on board a rover and think of what it could do and what its capabilities would be, what kind of analysis can be conducted. It gets it's very fascinating. You're just saying we don't get to see the results. Well, it's always a possibility. I have to wonder about that. George Knapp joining us. You're in the Paracast. America's number one source for independent talk radio for over a decade. We are the GCN Radio Network. Is there a secret UFO agenda? Do strange creatures from the darkest corners of the mind roam the earth? Is there evidence for mind control, time travel, or devious government conspiracies? Find out the inside scoop on the latest conspiracies, paranormal activity, and Freudian phenomena when you subscribe to Tim Beckley's Conspiracy Journal. It's jam-packed with stories, special book and DVD promotions, and the best news, it's absolutely free, sent right to your mailbox. Plus, a bonus free email newsletter sent out every Friday. Simply send an email with your name and address to MrUFO at WebTV.net. That's MrUFO at WebTV.net. Find out what they don't want you to know. Natural disaster, down economy, and inflating gas prices. Wondering how to prepare for what's next? Come to the Self-Reliance Expo at the Arlington Convention Center to learn about food and water storage, emergency power, shelters and financial management, hands-on training, we've got beekeeping, suturing, and learn how to build your own solar panels and so much more. Activities for the whole family. Self-Reliance Expo, Arlington Convention Center, Friday and Saturday, April 26th and 27th. Tickets and schedule at selfrelianceexpo.com. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. Have you ever wondered why banks, stockbrokers, investment advisors won't talk about gold IRAs? They've been available since 1986, yet the financial industry won't recognize the value of gold for your retirement. Gold has outperformed paper investments, yet no word about IRAs. If you would like to have gold for your retirement, call 800-686-2237. Don't get left behind by rising inflation and low returns. Call 800-686-2237. Secure your future and call 1-800-686-2237. We've lived in this neighborhood for years. We have an alarm system and all of our doors have deadbolts. They kicked in our door and were in and out of our house in about five minutes. The police arrived in about 20 minutes, but they were long gone with our TV jewelry and my guns. I kept thinking, what if my family had been home? The police officer said that more than 85% of break-ins are through a door and that deadbolts alone don't stop intruders. 
The officer told me to go to easyarmor.net if we wanted something that would actually stop an intruder. Easy Armor reinforces all of the weak points on your doors and is guaranteed to prevent kick-ins. I was surprised at how little Easy Armor costs, and I installed Easy Armor in about 30 minutes. Visit easyarmor.net. That's the letters E C A R M O R.net. Or call 888 58 Armor. That's 888 582 7667. Easyarmor.net. Ultimate door security made easy. Howdy folks, Pharmacist Ben here, nutritional pharmacist and skincare chemist. If you've heard me on my daily health and wellness program, The Bright Side, you know I'm on a mission to spread the good news about the power of nutritional supplementation to correct your health care challenges and get you feeling vital and healthy once again. I want you to call 877-279-9422 and check out the powerful, affordable line of nutritional products from Longevity, the ones I take and the ones I recommend. That's 877-279-9422 or go to www.gcnminerals.com. Why simply mask your symptoms with toxic pharmaceutical drugs when you can address causes with vitamins and minerals? I suggest the Healthy Start Pack. It gives your body the essential 90 nutrients it needs. Most people notice a difference right away. You can sign up to help me spread the good news of health and wellness without drugs and maybe make a little money too. And while you're there, don't forget to check out my important video message. That's GCNminerals.com or call 877-279-9422. And remember, friends, good nutrition is good medicine. This is Jacques Vallée, and you're listening to the podcast, The Gold Standard of Paranormal Radio. With Gene and Chris in the PowerCast, we have George Knapp. He's an investigative journalism kind of guy, and which means he may be one of a dying breed. I hope not. I hope he's not an anachronism. And he's going to be around for a long time, and there will be young George Knapps running around. Do you have any family people who are involved in broadcasting? No, I do not. I don't have any children. I just got married a couple of years ago, um, but I, I have uh, protégés that I've tried to, to pass some things along to and still some some lessons I've learned over the years. So uh, at least KLAS-TV, I think, is in good hands for a long time to come, even after I'm gone, which I, I don't hope is anytime soon. Well, with people living to 114 these days, I guess you have a few years left. I'm ready for the singularity. Okay, well, that's very good. A singularity. You know, I have kind of a quick question. I want to do a segue here, and then we'll get back to other subjects about UFOs. This is about your regular work at KLAS Channel 8, member of the I-Team and everything. Chris, would you please get that question from the forums? George, here's a question from Solarian, who has been a poster uh, on the forums for about a year and a half now. And a uh, simple question. He says, how well is Nevada coping with the invasion of Mexican drug lords? Well, it's uh, basically they've overrun uh, the state and, and, and dominated uh, the meth trade. Uh, five years ago, I would go out on these raids with a narcotics team of meth labs all over bathtub meth labs and meth labs and cars and homes that would burn down and fumes from terrible chemicals. They're gone now. Those homemade meth labs are all but gone. There might be one or two a year here because uh, the cheap meth has has, uh, flooded the market. Uh, Nevada, Las Vegas in particular, is sort of a, um, a distribution point for these Mexican drug lords. They make so much money. A lot of it ends up, I think, probably being laundered at casinos. There was a guy uh, who was busted. He was a Chinese national who went to Mexico, imported all these 
hard to get chemicals from China, allegedly became sort of a, a meth kingpin with this gigantic lab. They popped his house in Mexico City, and uh, you might have seen the photos online, uh, a room full of money. I mean, stacked up six feet high, $100 bills on these pallets that filled the whole room. He was a regular here in Las Vegas, treated like royalty. Uh, a, a lot of uh, restrictions have been placed on the casino industry. You're supposed to keep tabs on these guys and keep some kind of a general idea where the money comes from. But really, when you got that kind of money, you can pretty much write your own ticket. So the answer to the question is the meth uh, folks, the Mexican drug lords are here. Their uh, carnage is on our streets daily. It's not as bad as like the, some areas of the border where uh, beheadings are a regular thing or torture, but, uh, but it, it pops up here now and then. Well, you have to think the war on drugs has been a monumental failure. That's oh, a waste. It's such a waste of, of money and resources and time and people's lives. It's, uh, it seems like the little guys are the ones that do the time. The big guys uh, enjoy the, the benefits of the illegal trade, and it's totally uh, upside down, in my opinion. And we have to look about for-profit prisons like we have in Arizona. <laughs> what a waste. Anyway, let's get on to other subjects. We have lots of questions from our listeners. This could almost fill the full show, I think, but we'll see where it happens. Uh, this question comes from Nameless, who's been a poster at forum.theparacast.com for over two years. And George, he wants to know if there's any new info on the Skinwalker case. What hypotheses have you derived from this event, and how has it altered, if at all, your paradigm or how you look at the paranormal? And are there any other cases that you've heard about that have had so much proliferation of paranormal activity? Wow. Well, uh, it, it's totally changed my view. I mean, I, I entered the field like a lot of people do with the basic nuts and bolts UFOs. They're, they're craft from other worlds. They're piloted by extraterrestrials visiting us from other planets uh, and, and, you know, looking for evidence or information that would either verify or reflect on that theory interviewing witnesses, looking at documents, that kind of thing. But it's not that simple anymore. And I think that that is the, the major thing that the, the experience of the ranch taught me, that it's not as simple as, uh, as somebody coming here from other, another planet. Jacques Vallée once told me that he said, if, the, if it turns out that the answer to the UFO mystery is people just visiting from another planet, I'm going to be really disappointed because uh, the ultimate truth is much bigger. And it points to a much more complicated and wondrous um, uh, cosmos, and uh, and it asks some really important questions about the nature of reality itself. I don't know of any place in the world that's had as much concentrated paranormal weird activity as the Uinta Basin, and in particular the ranch. Uh, it is certainly the most intensely studied paranormal hotspot, I think, in history, there have been studies underway in Hestdalen and, and places like that around the world, but not 24-7 cameras, scientists on duty all the time, not like what NIDS did at that ranch and, and in, the, in the larger basin. Uh, I, I don't think there's uh, any, any kind of paranormal activity you can think of that has not occurred in that general area. And it's not just the ranch. It's, it's a much larger area, but the ranch is certainly one of the hot spots. And the, the uh, family that was on the ranch for a long time, came up with dozens of really strange things that happened. They weren't looking for them to happen. They weren't looking for attention. They thought for a long time it was the government trying to drive them off their, drive them off their property. Then the NIDS guy came in. It's almost like uh, the movie uh, Poltergeist, where the scientists come to the rescue to help figure things out, and then they get terrorized as well. Those guys, all of them Ph.D.-level scientists, 
they looked for prosaic explanations. They tried to find, are there magic mushrooms on the ground that, uh, that are making people have, have um, you know, uh, hallucinations? Are there uh, gravity anomalies? Is there some sort of physical explanation for what people have been seeing there for 50 years and they couldn't come up with one? I don't know what the answer is. I just know what it isn't. And trying to say that it was it's UFOs alone, although there were UFO-type crafts seen there, uh, it doesn't fit the explanation. At least it doesn't fit the explanation of what we think we understand about ETs, because these, these craft um, would appear and disappear, would, uh, would fly into mountains. Would, uh, they, they look sort of like UFOs, and then they didn't. Uh, they behaved sort of like UFOs, and then they didn't. There was no uh, no event in the more than 130 or so events that were investigated. Uh, no event ever happened the same way again, which makes it really tough to get reproducible ev- uh, results or evidence. Uh, a lot of folks have questioned whether there's any, any evidence at all, and we can get into that, that uh, issue a little bit later. But uh, overall... You know, you have to applaud uh, the, the NIDS folks who went in there, spent so much time and energy to try to figure this out, and were not married to any kind of thesis. And I'm not married to it. We worked on the book, Colin Kelleher and I, and looked at all these cases, talked to all these people, and we have no idea what the heck is going on there. To this day, have no idea. It seems to be dimensional. It seems to be uh, like the, the ranch and the, the Uinta Basin is a place where like the Irish have a saying, a place where the world is thin, where some other reality bleeds into ours. It's disconcerting in a lot of ways, um, which sort of brings us back to disclosure. I don't want to get off on a, on a tangent, but you say talk about the, the willingness to let's have the government come clean. I don't think the government knows the ultimate story. I don't know that anybody knows the ultimate story. And if you were to disclose what some people do know, the idea that there is something like what Mactani's talked about, ultra-terrestrials, that we live in the middle of some other civilization, which is sort of what I come away from the Skinwalker Ranch with, is that there's somebody else that's in charge. We, we are living among them as opposed to them living among us. They come and go into our world at will. Uh, other creatures come and go at will. We're stuck here, and so... If we were to explain to the public, hey, there's another reality, they can see what we do. You're in the shower when you're sleeping. They can see you. They can read your thoughts. They know what you're up to. You can't see them. I think people would freak out. I'll tell you what, I think if they saw me in the shower, they'd freak out in a different way. They'd run out the door screaming and yelling in abject fear. I'll tell you that right now. I have to say that. (laughs) But as our listeners really know, I've been advocating for alternate theories about UFOs for many, many years. I go back in the 1960s where, for example, I believed that UFOs were spaceships. And then after we had that fateful conversation with Alan Greenfield one New Year's evening, I came away with a different point of view because we started talking, we started looking at the evidence, And we came to the realization that things in the UFO field weren't quite what we thought they were. Let me ask you quickly, because we have to do the break. Do you think the reason we see more things happening in and around Skinwalker Ranch is because so much effort is being expended towards investigating it there? That's kind of a cliffhanger question, and I'd like you to answer it during our next segment, whether it's the attention 
that's causing either more events on a reflective basis or simply because we're paying it more attention, we see more cases there. If we pay that amount of attention elsewhere, maybe we'd see the same phenomenon. We have George Knapp joining us. You're in the Paracast. Are you tired of searching for great talk radio? Something more important. Search no more. We are the GCN Radio Network. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. If you'd like to listen to GCN programs on the go, I have great news. GCN has created a Droid and iPhone application, and it's free. Just as easy as going to GCNlive.com, click on the banner, and download. Before you know it, you'll be listening to your favorite hard-hitting GCN shows, live or on demand, right on your Droid or iPhone, 24-7 and on the go. So download the Droid and iPhone app free by clicking on the banner at GCNlive.com. Thanks again for listening to GCNlive.com. Again, that's GCNlive.com. Hi, this this is Ted Anderson. Have you ever wondered why banks, stockbrokers, investment advisors won't talk about gold IRAs? They've been available since 1986, yet the financial industry won't recognize the value of gold for your retirement. Gold has outperformed paper investments, yet no word about IRAs. If you would like to have gold for your retirement, call 800-686-2237. Don't get left behind by rising inflation and low returns. Call 800-686-2237. Secure your future and call 1-800-686-2237. Imagine waking one morning only to find your family shivering in the dark because you couldn't afford to pay your electric bill. That's closer than you think. You probably haven't heard about this yet because the liberal media has been suppressing what is fast becoming the most shocking news story of 2012. Obama's secret war on coal that could increase your already high power bill as much as 400% in coming months. As shocking as it sounds, it may well be just a matter of time before the lights start going out across America. But here's some good news. There's an underground video at Exposed123.com that thousands of smart patriots have used to end their slavery to the corrupt electricity monopoly. The video at Exposed123.com has already been banned by Google, and the liberal media is doing everything in its power to take it down and keep America in the dark. So watch it now at Exposed123.com before it's too late. Again, that's Exposed123.com. Welcome back to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. With Gene and Chris on the Paracast, we have George Knapp joining us. Of course, he's spent a lot of time investigating the strange goings-on at the Skinwalker Ranch. So there's the question there. Do you think it's the fact that we have so much resources expended there that so much happens. Is it a reflective phenomenon? What? That's a great question. I don't think I've ever answered that before, but I'll just get philosophical for a second. It's sort of like if a tree falls in the forest and no one's around to hear it kind of a question. There are a lot of uh, quantum physicists who are exploring these kinds of questions as we speak. Is the universe affected uh, by observation? Is it created basically for our viewing pleasure? If we weren't here to watch it, would it be the same? And I think that's a legitimate question, and I, I suspect it has substance to it. Uh, I am I'm certain that, in part, 
this is a reactive phenomena on the ranch that interactive that a lot of what happened and what was observed is because these guys were there focusing on it. I also suspect that if you were to focus those kind of resources in any particular area, you might find uh, it wouldn't be everywhere, but certainly a lot of other places. One of the reasons that uh, Bigelow sort of gave me the green light to, to write about the ranch and to publicize some of the things that happened is because the activity went underground for a long time. The, the level of activity went way, way down, and they were interested in seeing if there were other places, particularly in the West, that were similar things had been reported that they could go and study. And sure enough, when the story came out, all of a sudden I get flooded with uh, stuff about, uh, yeah, that happened here. There was a place in Colorado, I think one of your one of your listeners had written something about a ranch in there that, that they looked at near Dulce. They spent a lot of time with the Hickorilla Apache tribe there. A lot of the same kinds of things that were reported in Utah around the ranch had occurred around there. They never found any secret underground UFO base and do not believe that that is, in fact, true, that the one such exists. But the Apache tribe there uh, described a Bigfoot-type encounters, strange creatures, animal mutilations, uh, ghostly apparitions, skinwalkers, uh, the kinds of things that we investigated at the ranch. Same thing uh, around Chris's area, Sedona. The same kind of things were reported there. Tom Dongo, I think, wrote a book about it. And then up in Yakima. There always seems to be kind of a, a Native American connection, but what we found out was, yes, in fact, there are many other places where there's an, an intense amount of paranormal-type activity, and I use that in quotation marks. It's not everywhere, but it's a lot of places. And I think if you were to focus the kind of resources that were put on the ranch, you would probably encounter more of it and, and in fact, encourage that kind of activity. The, the stuff that the NIDS guys told me about, and I never saw any of it for myself, but it was almost playful at times. The, this thing would mess with their heads. It wanted to stay one step ahead of them. For a while, they thought they were going to be able to communicate with it. They did experiments to try to uh, establish some kind of a basic language between whatever it is. It never went went anywhere. And eventually, whatever this thing is, whatever this intelligence was, got kind of ticked off and uh, made its its displeasure known. It ripped up the cameras and, and did some other kinds of fairly hostile things, and then it went away. It was like it took its, its ball and went home. It did not like being stalked. It liked being in charge. It liked scaring people. It liked being unpredictable, but it really didn't like the idea that these guys were honing in on it. Uh, that's incredible information to wrap your head around. Sounds like a nasty pet. Okay, fast question here. This is actually the second question but you mentioned about possible other events elsewhere from steve c are you still going to release a documentary about the skinwalker ranch with pictures and videos that you've not shown yet or held back it's been about eight years since you said you were going to release it and still no one has seen it is it mr bigelow keeping you from releasing it well yes and no um I mean, he doesn't, he can't order me not to do it, but he asked me not to do it, and I honored it. And, and here's why. The book came out and has caused so much trouble at the ranch. I mean, it came out every single night there are trespassers out there, kids and UFO nuts who come out, they, they get drunk, they throw trash all over the place. At 2 o'clock in the morning, they're creeping out into the property using flashbulbs and taking photos in the window of the people who live there, the caretakers. They have caused so much vandalism. I mean, it was not that long ago. Somebody came up to the main gate and put a rope around it and tore it off its hinges. And it's caused so much trouble uh, that Bigelow has had to put 24-hour security up there. He's got these team of these 
ex-commando guys who can live in the jungle and eat bugs for a week and uh, ex-special forces guy who, who work for his aerospace company and has a regular rotation and takes them back up there just to keep people from messing with the property. There's also the question of liability is because they're not quite sure what how this entity or intelligence or whatever it is is going to react, you know. It, it's shown it's capable of doing some pretty horrible things to animals, and if something happened to a person, there'd be a lot of trouble. So, yeah, I've, I've uh, decided to give up on it. I've saved all the footage. I hope that one day I'd be able to release it because I put a lot of my own time and money into this thing, and I hope to be able to do something with it, but for now, it's too much trouble. Okay, question from Tom707. I'd like to know what kind of tangible evidence is available from Skinwalker Ranch. Sounds like it's a gold mine for researchers, yet I haven't heard about hard data having been collected. Might be my ignorance. These areas like Marley Woods and Hestelin all seem to hold promise, but somehow they fail to deliver. Do you think it's just a matter of deploying the right technology and all would be revealed? Well, no, I don't. And because uh, the NIDS people had a pretty big debate within them internally before they deployed to the ranch about what approach to take. There were those who wanted a passive approach. Hey, let's don't go technological. Let's go with psychics or shaman or remote viewers and, and see if we can reach out to this thing that way. The other point of view was let's go in with cameras and detection equipment and scientific gear and see if we can find evidence. That's the viewpoint that worked. And there's a lot of second guessing about whether it was a good idea or not. Because, look, if you don't buy the premise that this intelligence is capable of messing with uh, people's minds, of staying one step ahead, of sort of, uh, you know, anticipating what's ca- happening, if you don't buy that premise that this thing could do that, whatever it is, then it's really probably a waste of your time to be reading the book in the first place. But that is what happened. These guys went with all this equipment. Initially, they, I guess it depends on what you consider evidence. They got video and photos of objects flitting around in the sky. Problem is, most of it happens at night, so you've got a ball of light in a sea of inky darkness with no real reference point, and it's not very valuable. Cattle mutilations happened. These animals were cut up. There's video of them. Uh, they've taken uh, samples that were taken to labs. The one case in particular happened at 10 o'clock in the morning within full view of the rancher and his wife. This calf was completely stripped of, of flesh in a matter of minutes. Its body was taken somewhere else, carved up, and then brought back and dropped. They took it to a lab. They analyzed what was used, the cutting instrument instruments. There were two that was used, one that was like a sharp scalpel, one that was a heavy cleaver. That's evidence of sort. The, the carcasses themselves were evidence. There were, you know, instrumentation malfunctions. They had compasses that would spin around in circles. They had gear that went out. They had something that crawled up the telephone poles and ripped the guts out of all these cameras in full view of another camera that was recording it. Whatever had done it, it was invisible. Now, is that evidence? I think it is. I can't give you this evidence. I can't show it to you, but it exists, and I've seen it, and we wrote about it, and I interviewed the people who collected it. Their testimony, scientists with PhDs, people who do not have an agenda, they just want to know what's going on, the Native Americans who've lived there for a couple of centuries, the neighboring ranchers who've seen this stuff for 50 or 60 years, their testimony counts the tracks of these bigfoot type uh, creatures that have been seen there's lots of different kinds of physical evidence it's all mentioned in the book but yet i get that kind of question all the time well where's the physical evidence i don't know what it is that you want you want a body of a skinwalker 
you want me to walk Bigfoot into the room? Uh, you want the saucer, proverbial saucer on the White House lawn? I don't have it. We have George Knapp answering your questions from our listeners posted at the Paracast forums. You go to forum.theparacast.com. When we know we're going to have the guests in advance, as we did with George Knapp, we will post an item in the question bank about it. You can ask any question you want, and we'll ask them. We'll try to get to most of them. You can also contact us on Twitter, where we are known as the Paracast. We are the Paracast on Twitter. George Knapp joining us. You're in the Paracast. Attack of the Rockoids has been well-received by critics and readers alike. It's a -a thrill-a-minute story you'll never forget. A former U.S. military intelligence officer is haunted by intense dreams about a beautiful woman pleading for his help after a terrible battle in outer space. But the dreams turn out to be true and thrust him into a telepathic love affair with a woman whose faraway planet is intent on destroying the Earth. And now the gripping tale continues in The Coming of the Protectors. It's the second book of the Rockoids trilogy, a galaxy-spanning adventure that pits our hapless heroes against powerful, fanatical enemies that threaten the lives of freedom-loving beings everywhere. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors, classic science fiction at its best, available now. For more details, visit rockoids.com. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. Hi, this is Gary Cooper with Midas Resources Gold and Silver. Don't be surprised when the global elite confiscates money from your bank account one day. They have already very clearly telling you that they're going to do it. With what just happened in Cyprus serving as a blueprint for future bank bailouts, if you are concerned about keeping your money, why not consider storing your wealth in gold and silver? Call me, Gary Cooper, at 1-800-686-2237, extension 130. Together we'll discuss your options of buying gold and silver. Again, the global elite have plans for your money and it doesn't include you. So call me, Gary Cooper, at 1 800 686 2237, extension 130, and I will send you a booklet with 10 reasons why gold and silver could be right for you. Again, don't get caught with money in your account when the next bank bailout hits. Call me, Gary Cooper, at 1 800 686 2237, extension 130. Start life over. Spend more quality time with your family. Take more vacations. Own your own business. Be healthy and earn the kind of income you've always dreamed of. Is it possible? Yes, with Longevity. First, you've got to see the video that is turning the medical industry upside down. Go to HealthyBody13.com. That's HealthyBody13.com. Watch this video. Then pre-register for the Spring Longevity Convention, May 2nd through 4th in Las Vegas, Nevada. And guess who will be there? Hi, I'm Dr. Peter Glidden. I'm doing the Healthy Body Challenge, and I'll see you at the Longevity Conference in May. Hi, this is pharmacist Ben Fuchs, and I'm taking the Healthy Body Challenge, and I will be there. Hi, I'm MZ, Michael Zwirling, owner of KSCO Radio in Santa Cruz. I'm taking the Healthy Body Challenge, and you bet I'll be there. Take the the Healthy Body Challenge and don't miss the Longevity Convention in Las Vegas, Nevada, May 2nd through 4th. For more information, go to HealthyBody13.com or call 1-800-360-8695. That's 800-360-8695. In the U.S., one in every 50 homes will have a break-in this year. Burglars call it smash and grab. Police call it robbery. 
We call it avoidable. We are Fake TV, a simple electronic device that can fool even professional burglars. Fake TV easily plugs into any outlet and simulates the changing colors of a television. To a burglar, it looks like someone must be home watching TV, so they'll likely move on to an easier target. At only $29.95, Fake TV costs less than a month of most alarm monitoring plans and comes with free shipping. Order your Fake TV by calling 877-5-FAKE-TV or go to faketv.com. That's 877-532-5388 or faketv.com. Fake TV, the burglar deterrent. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com. With Gene and Chris, we have George Knapp answering your questions from the question bank. And I've got some fascinating ones here. And there's one question I'm not going to ask at this point, but we'll get to it in a moment. We have someone named Infolad1 who calls himself purveyor of hidden things. Oh, yeah, I think we'll have to talk to this InfoLab. Yeah, I'm, oh, I'm yeah. ready, yeah. This, this InfoLab's got to have to answer some questions. Okay, Chris, you want to ask this one? We have several questions from InfoLad, who's been a longtime poster at forum.theparacast.com. And first of all, he thanks you for your time and for being on. And his first question is, has there ever been any extensive research done or interviews of Skinwalker Ranch owners prior to the Shermans? Of course, uh, my my interviews aside, I guess someone else put those locks up. He mentions. Yeah, there there has been some research. Um, you know, uh, the Nids people started by talking to Terry Sherman. Well, actually, Tom Gorman's the name we use, but I think that the cat's out of the bag. Talking to him about the the weird conditions that the ranch had been empty for. Seven years, I think, when the, their, the Gorman family moved onto it. And as we mentioned in the book, I mean, when they came up to the, the house, they had these big stakes with big chains on both doors uh, as if there'd been guard dogs. There were locks on both sides, locks inside the house, locks on cabinets, as if these things, uh, you know, moved around a little bit on their own, which, as the, the, the rancher and his family soon learned, was exactly the case. No, the rancher said that when he signed the, the deal, the deed, that the previous owners insisted, one of the conditions they said is no digging. If you're going to do any digging on the on the property, you have to get our permission or let us know first. And he just thought, well, these are just quaint, old, weird people. Uh, and he kind of chuckled to himself. And then later, after things got weird, he started wondering about what might be buried or what the consequences of digging in the ground might be. The first time I went to the ranch, uh, it had been after a period of, of lack of activity, and, and Colin Kelleher had told me, look, one of the things that gets, there's a couple of things that get things stirred up at the ranch. One is the arrival of new people, and they thought, I have an inherent weirdness quotient. Maybe I would attract whatever it is back to the property. They said, you make a bunch of noise out on the land, that sometimes gets it going. But nothing gets it going like moving around the earth, digging in the earth. So the night I went there the first time, we made a bunch of noise. We built a campfire out there and kind of danced around it. Uh, we got an earth mover uh, equipment, a big bucket on this tractor, and moved a bunch of dirt around. 
if, so if there was some sort of skinwalker or spirit or something, we did their best to get its attention. And then they took me and put me on a little plastic white chair and stuck me out in the middle of this, uh, this field in total darkness. And it's a field where cattle had been mutilated, where this, um, where this predator type creature had appeared, where a giant blob kind of thing came out of the trees. And, and they left me there and they went a couple hundred yards away and had a camera on me to see if something came to get me. Uh, and nothing did except for um, uh, mosquitoes. So well, if someone you know, came to get you, George, we wouldn't have heard from you anymore. That's true. That's true. So anyway, uh, one of the things we did in researching the book was to figure out what was going on with this family. We found some of the surviving members living in, in Salt Lake, and they were very hostile. They wanted to answer no questions about the ranch. They've been incredibly hostile since the book came out. We've never had any kind of experiences uh, the neighbors that we all interviewed said that who, the people that had lived there had developed some sort of relationship with the phenomena, that there was a live and let live kind of thing that they developed over time. But this family, the remaining members of the family, did not want to talk about it. Uh, the, the, the rancher, the male rancher, had died. His wife, I guess, had lived there for a while, and she was gone. But the people who were in Salt Lake City, that family, they were very hostile to the stories that we eventually published they were very hostile to any kind of questions about uh, things they might have seen on the property. So it ended up being kind of a dead end for us. Do you have any opinion on Dr. Eric Walker and the various correspondences with him? Yeah, I do. I, I have had a chance to correspond a great deal with Grant Cameron. In fact, we interviewed him for, on television a week or so ago. We had and, Grant um, on the PowerCast just two or three weeks ago. Good, good guy. I mean, I, I, I like the work he does. You know, he's a pretty thorough guy. He's been at this a long time. Not sensational. Don't you agree, Gene? He has a pretty straightforward argument to make there. There are a few questions I felt he could have answered better, but I think in general he had a pretty good interview there. I, I think that they, he did some pretty good work on this Eric Walker stuff. I mean, he wouldn't take no for an answer. Uh, you know, he got this lead from other um, sort of insiders who said that Eric Walker was a guy who would know about it, who was in some of these meetings about crashed saucers and recovered material and and uh, the secret that was classified higher than the H-bomb. They initially got a couple of uh, really interesting reactions from the guy before he clammed up, in which he seemed to confirm uh, what they were saying. And at some point, either somebody whispered in his ear, told him to shut up or whatever, because he became totally uncooperative. But he gave some tantalizing little tidbits that, that suggested that they were on the right track. And I think what Walker said is reinforced by what uh, Sarbacher, Wayne Sarbacher had to say, what uh, Wilbur Clark, or the, the, the guy from uh, Canada, Wilbert Smith, uh, what he had told the uh, researchers and told his own government, I think that's legitimate info. I'm, I'm sorry that uh, Dr. Walker didn't uh, didn't reveal more before passing along. InfoLad's last question is, what are your views on the research and conclusions of the late Carla Turner? Is this the uh, my lab, the underground military lab stuff? Yeah, I, I think that if I'm if I'm not mistaken, I'm trying to remember Carla Turner, but I think she her research focused on abductions in particular abductions where the abductees reported being in facilities where there's both aliens and military-type folks. And to tell you the truth, I haven't done enough work to be uh, knowledgeable in answering it. I, I, you know, I, I try to keep an open mind on all this stuff. Uh, Carl Turner had a pretty good reputation, and so I, I don't want to cast judgment on it, but I, I really don't know enough to, to say whether I believe it or not. We have so much more to ask, George Knapp, and I'll just 
plow through the questions here. We're going to have to break in a moment, but let's go briefly to Bob Lazar. Okay. All right. Now, before we go on with this, we have several questions on Bob Lazar from Ricky, who is a regular poster. And that is, is Lazar still active in making his claims about his encounters at Area 51? No. And he hasn't been for a long time. I mean, he did it with me. And he did a couple of other interviews back there. It, it'll be 25 years next year. Uh, it was uh, November of 1989 was when we first revealed who he was. May of 1989 is when we did the first uh, interview with him, blacked out silhouette as Dennis. And so 25 years next year, he did those interviews then. He did a couple more after that. But basically, he hates every bit of it. He didn't like UFOs before he got into the program. He doesn't like them since. I saw Bob about two months ago. He came to town. First time he's been to Las Vegas in, I don't know, eight or nine years. And it was nice to see him. It was nice to talk about something other than Area 51 or S4 or Flying Saucers. But he is quite happy to have left that all behind, has no interest in talking about it at all. I think I'm going to try to have to coax him into talking about it next year for the 25th anniversary. But with Bob, it all depends on the mood he's in, you know, because he, he is the most reluctant UFO messiah you've ever run into. We are going to be very reluctant if we don't do this break. George Knapp joining okay. us. You're in the Paracast. The GCN Radio Network, providing the world with hard-hitting talk radio. GCN. Great talk radio starts here. Graphic Converter is the image manipulation tool for the rest of us. It does not use any database. You get full control of all your files. Want to view the images of a folder? Drag it into Graphic Converter, and a powerful browser opens up to show your image files. You could use it for slideshows. You could use it to import images from digital cameras or from scanners. Need to do some image editing? You can do that, too, in Graphic Converter. Also, print catalogs convert from so many formats i can't even list them download now to see if graphic converter is good for you like one and a half million other users guess what you could save money when you buy graphic converter use the coupon code night owl use the coupon code night owl to get a special price for graphic converter go to lemkesoft.com that's l-e-m-k-e soft.com lemkesoft.com l-e-m-k-e soft.com Chicago is a virtual battlefield. More than 500 shooting deaths in 2012 have made Chicago the murder capital of America. Proof that gun control doesn't work. Disarming law-abiding citizens ensures that only criminals have guns. And Rahm Emanuel and the Chicago machine want to keep it that way. If we can't stop them in Chicago, we may lose the whole battle. But there's hope. On April 9th, we have a chance to send billionaire Mike Bloomberg, Rahm Emanuel, and his Chicago machine a crystal clear message that we have a natural right to defend ourselves, our homes, and our families, and that they need to keep their hands off our guns. Illinois Republican Paul McKinley is sending that message in a bitterly fought special election to replace disgraced ex-rep Jesse Jackson Jr. Every vote, every voice in support of Paul McKinley is a stand against the gun-grabbing Chicago machine. Will you stand up and defend your gun rights? Call 800-979-1555. 800-979-1555. That's 800-979-1555. 800-979-1555. Paid for by Tea Party Leadership Fund PAC. Not authorized by any candidate or candidates committee. The Tea Party Leadership Fund.com. What's safer and cheaper than prescription drugs? Glad you asked. 
The answer is Renovation Teas. Herbal remedies are much safer and much cheaper than prescription drugs. Taste great, and most importantly, herbal teas are effective and non-addictive. Renovation Tea is especially unique, and here's why. We spent years researching herbs and their beneficial properties. Renovation Teas uses only 100% organic, fair trade herbs. Our teas are blended towards specific ailments and health conditions, such as diabetes, blood pressure, anxiety, libido, detox, and much more. All renovation teas are formulated and hand-filled in Arkansas. Take care of yourself naturally, the way Mother Nature intended. Order renovation teas at renovationtea.com or call 870-784-3121. That's 870-784-3121. Renovation Teas. Renovate your health one bag at a time. For centuries, silver has been used as a powerful natural antibiotic. And as a listener to this station, you probably already know the benefits of using colloidal silver. With so many websites to choose from, finding a reputable patriotic company with great products at affordable prices can be a difficult task. Introducing UtopiaSilver.com. UtopiaSilver.com carries the best, most effective, and most affordable colloidal silver and colloidal gold products in the industry. UtopiaSilver.com also carries products to fit your lifestyle, including weight loss, immune system defense, cleanses, herbs, joint and bone care, and much more. First-time customers using promo code GCN50 will receive 50% off all colloidal products. Visit us today at Utopia Silver, that's U-T-O-P-I-A Silver, utopiasilver.com, or call 888-213-4338. That's 888-213-4338, utopiasilver.com, taking back America's health care one American at a time. Hi, this is Nick Pope. You're listening to the Paracast. With Gene and Chris on the Paracast, George Knapp joining us. He's an investigative journalist, award-winning, and he explores our crazy little subject all about UFOs. So I was asking about Bob Lazar, and we have six questions from Ricky I'm going to ask now. Number one, has Lazar shown any actual proof of his claims? Well, I guess it depends on what you consider to be proof. You know, I, I, I've had that question before. If there was nothing to it, I can tell you that I wouldn't have spent 24 years working on it. But there's lots of proof. I don't know what, what proof uh, people would need. I guess it's whatever would convince a reasonable person that something is true or real. And I think that, that Bob and his claims have, have met that many times over. All right, the first thing that Bob knew was uh, where the tests were going to take place. He took people out on a Wednesday night, three weeks in a row, different groups of people, and each time uh, these this saucer-like craft came up over the mountains in the area of where he said S-4 was, the place where he worked, this big glowing object uh, that performed maneuvers, and then they'd go back down. And you have to ask yourself, well, I mean, there had been no stories about uh, Wednesday night UFOs. Uh, how did he know? The, the the tests were the last time they videotaped this thing, and I've shown the tape on on uh, on the air a couple of times. How did he know? Secondly, how did he know there was a place called S four? There's no reported uh, uh, incidents of anybody referring to a place called S four, and yet it really is a true place. I confirmed it with Nellis Air Force Base. It really did exist. Thirdly, he knew about something called the OFI. He said at first he thought he was had a background investigation by the FBI. And then he found a, a card for the guy who had come to question him during a security clearance, and it was a guy named Mike Thigpen 
for an agency called OFI, which I had never heard of, and I'd been here a long time, but uh, OFI, in fact, is the Office of Federal Investigations. They do background checks for people that went to work at Dallas Air Force Base and the Nevada test site. And Mike Thigpen really turned out to be a guy who worked for them. How did Bob know? How did he know uh, about the inner workings of, of Area 51, how you got there? I've had a couple of people who worked out there who put him through their paces um, and, and asked him questions, not about, like, where are the saucers, that they'd ask him questions about, where's the cafeteria, what color is the paint, how do you pay for your meals, that kind of stuff, and he passed. He also passed polygraph, four of them. We did one examination when, and I'm just telling you, Gene, uh, I lived through this stuff, and it was weird. It was a weird time. It was a scary time. We were being followed around. Our phones were tapped. They were, they were really messing with Bob. There were break-ins in his house. A couple of times when uh, he'd come home, they, they had been in messing with his house. They'd, they'd wipe his, the things off of his blackboard, move things around. Uh, one time he goes to the gym with a friend. He's got a gun. He was carrying a, a weapon in his glove box. He comes out. The doors to his car are open. The windows are down. The glove box is open, and there's the gun just sitting there. It wasn't a burglary. It was somebody just messing with him. I've been to his house uh, when he, he'd get home and was all kind of freaked out, and, and uh, there he is walking around with an Uzi ready for trouble. This stuff was real. It was really going on. It's hard to convey to people who weren't there what it was like, but it was a really intense time. I gather Bob from talking to you very quickly here, George, is that you believe Bob Lazar. Well, I do. I, I believe him in this, to this extent. I believe he's telling the truth as he knows it. I don't know that it's an objective truth. I don't know that everything that he read in these briefing documents are real as opposed to something he was being fed because they figured he would go ahead and leak it to somebody. Uh, I suspect that that might be it. I suspect that he, in a sense, might have been really qualified. He's not a Ph.D. He's not the most qualified scientist in the world, but he's a really bright guy who has uh, eclectic interests, uh, hookers and machine guns and explosives and stuff that's just quirky enough that he'd be easy to discredit. He had a had a, a financial interest in a brothel for a time, and then he got ho hooked up with an illegal brothel. So eventually they were able to discredit him, get him in legal trouble, and push him down the road. But he knew a heck of a lot of stuff that nobody else had ever said before that we now know is true. He also passed a polygraph. I took him to this guy, Terry Tavernetti. He's still the head of a major like a security operation for a major casino. He does polygraph tests on employees to make sure that they're, they're screened and they're proper to work there. He put Bob Lazar through the ringer on the central questions. Did you see flying saucers? Were they in these hangars? Did you deal with Element 115? And Bob passed. And it wasn't a close call. It was flat out passed for these exams. How did he do it? By the way, Terry Tabernetti, uh, months later, had a break-in at his house, and the only thing they took were those polygraph test results. He's a former police officer, a credible guy. His name is well-known here in this town, and, and uh, I think his testimony goes a long way. So how did Bob know? And, and here's the last bit of proof, and it, I don't know if it persuades your listeners or not, but Bob got into trouble with these hookers. You know, he came to me one night, he said, by the way, I, I, I met this hooker, and I helped her uh, set some security gear and some cameras up in her little brothel. And by the way, this brothel's on the same street where you live. I said, what? I mean, my professional life is flashing before my eyes. I'm thinking, oh, my God, here, here goes my career. I'm going to crash and burn. I said, you can't be serious. I said, let me see it. I don't believe it. Let me see it. And he showed me this place. I said, you've got to shut this down now. He said, the cops already know about it. A couple of these, these vice detectives know this hooker. She's been in business for years. I said, you've got to shut it down anyway. 
You know you're being followed around. Somebody's going to break this open. You've got to do it, and I've got to do it before they do. So I called the police. I told them, look, it's going to be shut down. Anyway, they decided to bust Bob anyway. We didn't. And back in those days, not a whole lot of pimps got busted in Las Vegas, uh, not a whole lot of hookers either. But they looked at Bob like public enemy number one. Parole and probation grilled him about his background. And this is the time, if you're the UFO con man, this is the time you come clean because he told them the same story he told me, where he had worked, where he'd gone to school, who he worked for, what he did. Uh, he was looking at serious time. They recommended that he do more than a year in prison because they were mad at him. They thought, this guy's lying to us. He's told us all this stuff. And then uh, gradually, uh, some other things happened. Congressman Bill Bray uh, from Nevada tried to help me get information that would help his case. He said, I've never run into a case like this. The FBI told me that he's a real guy, but I have no need to know uh, about what his background is. That's what they told the congressman. You know, a lot of things like that. If Bob were a liar, that was the time to come clean. And in fact, he stuck to his story. I don't expect people to believe it. I have problems with some of it myself. For example, his educational claims. But do you throw the whole thing out? If you believe that he's lying about his education, do you throw the whole thing out? Uh, do you ignore all the other kinds of proof um, that, that he came up with? You know, there's people like Stanton Friedman, who I, I respect a great deal, who did research on their own after the story came out. And, uh, aha, Bob wasn't at Los Alamos Lab. He doesn't have a degree. I reported that in the very first story. The very first story that mentioned Bob's name, we reported that and, and let the cards fall where they may. Uh, I think he's telling the truth as he knows it. Is it the absolute objective truth? I don't know about that. It's more complicated. Well, just the thing about the degree bothers me because let me give you an example here. Just, I guess, last year, year before that, we learned that one prominent UFO paranormal researcher, Phil Imbrogno had fake degrees. His degrees were not real. We exposed that fact with the help of one of our regular listeners. So that, of course, ended that guy's career. But the question being here, now we have Lazar. Supposedly, we can't verify his educational claims. And when you see things like that, you have to say, well, wait a minute. If this guy's not telling the truth about his education, why believe anything he says and is it really possible, for example, for intelligence experts to wipe away a person's entire educational history? Well, if you ask my opinion, I don't think he I don't think those degrees are real. I've as his friend of a long time, I've given the opportunity to ask uh, to answer that. I said, "Look, Bob, you know, this is a good time to come clean on this. If you told a fib in order to get a job, and the fact is, he would not be the first person to exaggerate his credentials or background in order to get a great job. Um, and he has never taken me up on the opportunity. I always thought uh, the problem I had with uh, Bob's claims about getting those degrees is to get a degree at a place like Caltech or MIT, you have to take other classes. You know, you can't just take science classes, which is what he's good at. You have to take literature. I couldn't imagine Bob sitting through world lit. 101. I'll tell you uh, what, we're going to be world nothing 101 if we don't do this break with George Knapp. Okay. You're in the Paracast. America's number one source for independent talk radio for over a decade. We are the GCN Radio Network. 
Whether it's personal mail, whether it's business email, you want reliable, dependable delivery, freedom from spam, freedom from viruses. Well, Polaris Mail offers professional email hosting services for your personal or small business use. Each account uses 25 gigabytes of storage, an easy-to-use webmail interface, and full mobile sync. Sign up today for a 30-day free trial at PolarisMail.com, PolarisMail.com. So here's what happened. I was placing an order online. The site went down. It just stopped responding. It took hours before it returned, but I had already placed the order with another company. If your site goes down, you could lose business. And if you have a business or personal site, you'll want to know it's easy to run and it will stay online. At iWeb, your site is hosted on one of the most reliable networks in the world. Check it out. iWeb.com. That's iWeb.com. What's next? If you're not prepared, you're not self-reliant. Join us in Texas for the Self-Reliance Expo, Friday and Saturday, April 26th and 27th. Learn self-reliant skills including food and water storage, emergency power, beekeeping, canning, and much more. Look, feel, touch, and taste at this family-friendly event. Many guest speakers, longevity information, and Dr. Joel Wallach speaks on Saturday. Don't miss the Self-Reliance Expo, Arlington Convention Center, Arlington, Texas, April 26th and 27th. Tickets and schedule at selfrelianceexpo.com. We the people grow cotton, weave fabric, engrave ink, embed strips and fibers to protect from counterfeit and carting to a private bank, having it lent back at interest, forcing taxes to service debt. This capitalism, or was Jefferson correct when stating a central bank issuing the public currency is a greater menace to the liberties of the people than a standing army? Hi, Ted Anderson. I'm placing a free silver dollar in a book that explains our monetary system. Call for your copy, 800-686-2237. It's time to understand the system. Call 800-686-2237. That's 800-686-2237. Since disaster can strike at any time, you always need to be prepared. And not just with an insurance policy. Superstorm Sandy left thousands of people starving and stranded for weeks. You need to be prepared with an emergency supply of food. Now through April 30th, save up to 25% on freeze-dried food. During the freeze-dry guy makes and match number 10 can sale. Freeze-dried food packed in heavy-duty double-enameled number 10 cans. With over 99% of the oxygen removed, it has the longest shelf life of any food available over 25 years choose from entrees meats vegetables fruits and desserts all made in the usa just add hot water wait 10 minutes and serve and the taste absolutely delicious free shipping to 48 states now through april 30th save up to 25 percent visit freezedryguy.com freezedryguy.com or call 866-404-3663 866-404-3663 act today don't miss out Hello? Congratulations. For what? For losing all that weight. How'd you do it so fast? ASAP. ASAP what? What's that mean? Are you ready to get as skinny as possible, as soon as possible, as simple as possible, and as sexy as possible? I'm listening. Then get with the ASAP program. It's real and it works. No smooth talk, no slick advertising, and no exaggerated claims of success. I've got to know more. Welcome to ASAP, as slim as possible. Whether you have 10, 20, or 50 pounds to lose, ASAP 
is your weight loss answer. ASAP targets the abnormal fat reserves and makes them available to be burned as fuel and contains no caffeine or hormones. Order ASAP at wholesale prices or join the team to share the business with others. Visit GCNteam.com or call 877-878-4203. GCNteam.com or call 877-878-4203. Lose weight and look great with ASAP as slim as possible. This is Jerome Clark, author of the UFO Encyclopedia and other books. You're listening to the Paracast. We have George Knapp with Gene and Chris on the Paracast. We continue asking your questions. In our previous segment, you mentioned here you don't believe Lazar's degrees are genuine. I can see the reason. But let me ask you a question that Ricky asked here, which was question number five, which relates to this. If Lazar were proved to be a fraud, would you say so on the air on Coast to Coast? Yes, of course I would. I mean, you know, that's my job. That would be my job. I don't know what proof there would be to do that. You'd have to have somebody who had worked for the inside who comes forward with definitive proof that it was untrue. It's hard to prove a negative, I guess. But I think that Bob is telling the truth. I think he probably exaggerated his his, uh, educational credentials, but I think a lot of people exaggerate uh, their background to get a good job, and I I wouldn't blame him to get this particular job. Here's what it boils down to for me. I I always thought the central question is, if he worked at Los Alamos Lab in a sensitive position, then it would make sense that he could end up at Area 51 or S4. So that's where I was focused on. And, and I contacted the lab in the early going. They said, we never heard of him. We don't have any record uh, that, that he's never been here. And, of course, then I came back and I got the lab phone book that had his name in it. I said, are you sure? Here's his name. No, no, we don't know how that got in there. Then I came up with the headline from the Los Alamos Monitor newspaper that had him there on the day that Edward Teller visited the Salamos lab. It listed him in this front page story as a physicist, and they still denied it. I interviewed uh, people who worked with him, uh, who some of whom are still there, who said he was there. And then he took me in one weekend. Bob Lazar took me into Los Alamos with another guy. We went through the, the, the gates. We waved at the security guys. We took our television camera in there. We went into the place where the world's largest particle accelerator at the time was, took video. He went through this place like a a rabbit through its own burrow, waving at people, taking his lovely facilities, showing us around, and I knew that he'd been there. Now, if Bob really was there and really did work in classified positions, which is what his coworkers told me that he was, he was working on a particular weapons program, then it, it made sense to me that, A, He'd been educated somewhere. They didn't just let him waltz in the door because he had, with no training at all. And B, it made it plausible that he could work somewhere else like in Area 51. I went to a company called Kirkmeyer, which is a headhunter company. That's where Los Alamos finally got flustered with me sending all these inquiries. And they said, Kirkmeyer is the one that got him. And they're a headhunter company that does recruit scientific and technical people to work at Los Alamos Lab. They initially said, oh, yeah, we recruited him. And we got. I said, do you have a file on him? Any background? Uh, Yeah, we've got that stuff. I said, great, can I get it? Yeah, no problem. And then they clammed up. I got a a stack of letters as thick as my fist between me and Kirkmeyer, and then phone calls back and forth to the Los Alamos lab of where they promised to give me this information or denied having it, and then they just clammed up and, and wouldn't give me anything. He was there. 
he worked there. I have no question whatsoever that he was at Los Alamos. And if he worked there in a sensitive position, that means he got educated somewhere. And maybe it wasn't a degree at MIT uh, or master's, but it was enough to get work at one of the premier labs in the entire world. And that means that I think it's possible he could go to Area 51. Other people can look at it in a different way. Uh, that's how I look at it. Do you think maybe he might be some sort of disinformation guy? I, I don't think knowingly. He has acknowledged, and he and I have had that conversation, is it possible that you were used in this? And he acknowledges it. Sure it was. I mean, it makes no sense to him or anyone else that he's there at Area 51. The first day he's up there at S4, they show him these briefing books with with all these secrets of the universe, alien body parts and pictures of flying saucers and, and briefings about aliens being here looking at, at us as containers of souls, all this crazy exotic stuff makes no sense that they would show him that stuff his first day at work before he actually has his final clearance. And he had clearances before, but Bob acknowledges and I acknowledge that it could have been some sort of a false flag operation, disinformation. I'll tell you this, though, if it was meant to distract attention away from something else that was out there, then somebody really screwed up. Because as a result of that UFO story, I mean, maybe they thought I would give up and it would all blow over in a couple of days. But we stayed with it for a long time, uh, for years, and would do update reports. And as a result of those stories, tens of thousands of people have gone out to Area 51. They're there every day watching whatever it is that's flying around in the sky, whether it's flying saucers or advanced warplanes or whatever, or drones. Uh, every major news organization in the world beat a pass to their door. Uh, the extraterrestrial highway was created. It became an international sensation, video games and bars and songs and movies and books. If somebody was just trying to distract attention from something else out there, they really screwed up. If we assume Area 51 is what we think it is, but maybe Area 51 is the disinformation. Yeah, it's a heck of a big disinformation program because, I mean, every day you can see the planes flying in and out. You can see the people getting on it to go to work, and you can see them coming off coming home and disembarking at night. Uh, you can see the hangars that have been added to the facility, the gigantic runways. Uh, sometimes you can see planes and things taking off. I mean, if it's a deception, it's one really big ongoing deception and a multi-billion dollar program. I think it's still a very valuable facility. I think it's the work that goes on out there is vital to national security. And maybe somebody figured that they would just float this as a trial balloon put out some crazy story, and then crush Lazar like a bug. But it hasn't gone away. It resonates with people in a way that maybe not always, always makes logical sense. Speaking of Bob Lazar, what is he doing nowadays? He lives in Michigan. He, he had been in New Mexico. He had built a facility, uh, his own little, well, little 30-foot-long particle accelerator that was helping him to produce his own sort of version of hydrogen fuel, he developed his hydrogen fuel system for cars. His own, his Corvette and his four-wheel drive hadn't run on gasoline in years, although they could switch back and forth to it. He had a promise from the state of Michigan to go up there. If he'd move up there, they'd help him develop this alternate fuel system. Of course, he got screwed. Uh, once he got there and moved uh, lock, stock, and barrel, uh, they changed their mind. But he's got an online business called United Nuclear. He sells scientific equipment to labs and schools and then hobbyists, uh, a lot of uh, weird, strange stuff that it's hard to find anywhere else. Doing real well, very happy, happily married, and happy to leave the whole UFO stuff behind. All right. This is 
United Nuclear. I see a site for that. Is that him? Yeah, I think so. Okay, we'll have to check that further. Wow, the weird people that you find in the UFO field. I'll tell you. <laughs> Do you think Bob Lazar is the strangest? Who would you say was the strangest person you've encountered in the years you've covered this field? Oh, I, I wouldn't say that Bob is the strangest. I, he's actually a pretty normal guy when you get him away from the UFO subject. Um, I, I, you know, Gene, you've been to these conventions before where you have you run into people who uh, who say that they're from Venus. Or, uh, you know, they, uh, I had people, I remember when I first started this stuff, uh, had done some stories, this lady shows up and she's got to talk to me. She keeps calling me every day. She's got to see me, got to talk to me. I said, all right, fine, fine. She shows up, uh, at the front of the station and within me, within three minutes of meeting her, she was telling me these intimate details about her sex life. She shows up with this uh, tiny halter top. Uh, wearing this, uh, kind of spilling out of it. She's wearing uh, uh, this skimpy outfit and carrying a baby. And she starts telling me the story that the aliens first came in, uh, to see her when she was performing a sex act outside. And uh, they beamed her up on a ship. They told her to put on a bathing suit. And uh, while she was modeling this bathing suit for them on their flying saucer, they advised her to get breast implants, which... And I can tell you that there was ample physical evidence of this staring me in the face that that part of the story at least was true. I met guys who um, have claimed to be the twin brother of Jesus Christ, uh, alien transsexuals. I met a guy who said he had worked at, at secret bases, and he really did convince me that he had a military background. He said, come over, I'll show you the device I used to contact the aliens. And I went to his house, and he took me in the backyard, and it's a, a, at an old bird bath with a rusted uh, record rack on top and a, and a car headlight attached to it. And that was his device for contacting the aliens. And so I, I've met some pretty crazy people. Uh, Bob Lazar isn't even close to the top ten. <laughs> George Knapp telling us about the crazy people he's met. I suspect anyone who's been involved in the UFO field, paranormal field, for any length of time has met some crazy people. I know when I hung out with Jim Mosley in the old days and they had these monthly lectures where they bring on speakers, Jim Mosley didn't discriminate against the unserious or wacky UFO researchers. We had some pretty strange people, pretty strange people indeed. In fact, I think our listeners remember when we were playing old segments of Bob Zanotti's Coffee Clatch radio show, we ran a segment featuring Andy Sinatra, the mystic barber, and he was an original propeller head. He used to wear this aluminum foil thing on his head. We've got so much more to continue with our guest, George Knapp, with Gene and Chris. You're in the Paracast. Are you tired of searching for great talk radio? Something more important. Search no more. We are the GCN Radio Network. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. If you'd like to listen to GCN programs on the go, I have great news. GCN has created a Droid and iPhone application, and it's free. Just as easy as going to GCNlive.com, click on the banner, and download. Before you know it, you'll be listening to your favorite hard-hitting GCN shows, live or on demand, right on your Droid or iPhone, 24-7 and on the go. So download the Droid and iPhone app free by clicking on the banner at GCNlive.com. Thanks again for listening to GCNlive.com. Again, that's GCNlive.com. We the 
people grow cotton, weave fabric, engrave ink, embed strips and fibers to protect from counterfeit, and carting to a private bank, having it lent back at interest, forcing taxes to service debt. This capitalism, or was Jefferson correct when stating a central bank issuing the public currency is a greater menace to the liberties of the people than a standing army? Ted Anderson, I'm placing a free silver dollar in a book that explains our monetary system. Call for your copy, 800-686-2237. It's time to understand the system. Call 800-686-2237. That's 800-686-2237. You've heard about our MRE Smorgasbord. Now, Long Life Food Depot introduces the most unique, safe, and longest-lasting way to stash emergency food, the Eat Pod. Most survival food products recommend an ideal storage environment, including low temps, low moisture, and low oxygen. If you're storing in a basement too humid, garages and attics too hot, but the waterproof, double-walled, high-density polyethylene patent-pending Eat Pod is a unique roll-away food bunker that creates the perfect conditions, can be buried up to 30 feet, and can keep your survival food supply safe, secure, dry, and virtually undetectable for 25 years or more. Get full details on the Eat Pod at eatpod.com, spelled E-A-T-P-O-D.com, or call 800-601-2833. That's 800-601-2833. The Eat Pod from Long Life Food Depot. Since 1983, sending real food to your real future. Welcome back to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Jane Steinberg. With Gene and Chris, we have George Knapp, investigative reporter, covered the Skinwalker Ranch, Bob Lazar, Area 51, so many things. Now, let me tell you a story here, George, and Chris will get into more detail about it. And that is, we had a guest on the show. The guy's name was Chip, or that's the name he used. And he claimed that he had worked at Skinwalker Ranch for Bigelow. Well, it was pretty simple. I was contacted by another investigator who said he had a source who had worked for um, quite some time up uh, on the ranch and uh, and had uh, documentation to kind of verify that, which I did see. And I vetted him and spoke with him about his experiences up there, and it, it all seemed to uh, wash, at least. I mean, he, he definitely appeared to be the person that he claimed he was, and he had some pretty interesting um, observations about how things operated up there while he was there, which was, I believe, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Gene, but I think it was in 2008 or uh, the end of 2008, beginning of 2009. So this is fairly recent uh, in terms of his employment up there. For some reason, he felt that uh, words should get out about how things operated up there. He didn't uh, really experience anything that I would I would call extra mundane or the types of uh, activity that was reported early on in the late 90s, uh, early 2000s. But he did talk about several things that I, I found very interesting. One was the um, he was instructed uh, during his security walk-arounds at the ranch to obviously keep track of uh, activity outside the ranch that was seen to be uh, people watching or uh, potential trespassers and that sort of thing, which I'm sure you're aware that a lot of that kind of activity was going on due to the notoriety of the place. And, uh, and he did log on a number of occasions, uh, 
some pretty interesting uh, incidents, but he was instructed to take photographs with a digital camera and to be ex- especially mindful of those photographs where uh, these orbs showed up in the picture. Now, most of our listeners, uh, you, George, and Angie, know that a vast majority of these uh, so-called orb pictures that uh, <laughs> the some of the, the woo-woo crowd uh, tends to uh, really blow it up and think that it's something uh, – uh, an indication of something extra mundane. Uh, we all know that m- most of these photographs are particulate matter that's you know being uh, exposed by a flash and out of focus to, to make them appear. But but he said, yeah, he understood that. But he was instructed to make note of when these types of orbs occurred in conjunction with photographing uh, around areas where he felt that there was some sort of activity going on, or the dog that he would take in his rounds. Uh, would maybe react, and he would flash some pictures. And he mentioned something called the Orb Project that uh, uh, Mr. Bigelow or someone there uh, at NIDS at some point had created some sort of project called the Orb Project. Now, when he mentioned this, this was news to me. I'd never heard this before, and I was wondering if this was something that you'd heard about and whether there was any indication to you, and based on your kind of insider knowledge up there, that these orbs showing up in pictures uh, were somehow important. Does that ring any sort of bell with you? It does. Uh, it does. And I, I think that guy Chip, uh, from what I remember a couple of years ago, uh, really did work there. I don't remember what his, his name is. It might have been Chip. And, and I, I do recall hearing uh, tangentially, I had never heard it called the Orb Project, but I do remember hearing tangentially of an interest in orbs and, and recognizing that the vast majority of them are, are easily explained, and, and I think uh, Bigelow and his team are aware of that. But somewhere along the line, they've got some kind of indication that, that at least some of these things represent something else. And I, I remember early in, in the early days of the stuff of the ranch, Chris, you were there before I was, but in the early days of the ranch when, when Terry was and the, his family were still there, they would see these orbs of different colored kind of things that would float around. Right. Well, those are the softball-sized blue blue lights. Uh, well, I was actually on the were... phone with Terry. With yeah, well, there were other colors too, but the, the the smaller ones I think tended to be the blue and sort of whitish color ones. Uh, but these you could readily see uh, with the naked eye. Uh, the ones that he was referring to were not visible um, except on uh, being revealed on these digital photographs. And I, I've been debunking the orb photographs for years, trying to get people to understand that it's particulate matter, insects, whatever. But he, he this, this guy claimed that, hey, even if these things turn up and even if they are mundane, they're an indication of something. And, and I, was, I always found that very interesting. And I've always wanted to find out more about this orb project because if there is some indicative quality to these things that might indicate there's something energetically going on in a particular location. I, I would like to know more about that. Do you think well, that... I, uh, yeah, go ahead. I, I think that there is something to it, that they have some kind of indication, and I am not privy to to that uh, to the specifics, but they have some kind of indication at least some of these things are of interest. I suspect that they would have had Chip or, or, or guys like him go ahead and photograph it regardless uh, and and to report it regardless of whether you think it's real or not, and let somebody else make the determination of whether there's there's something to it other than the security guy. Uh, I, I I wish I could tell you more. Uh, I could ask about it and see what I might find out. But uh, I have not been to the ranch since uh, 
right about the same time that they started having the 24-7 security. Uh, right. Bigelow had been complaining about uh, all the intrusions, and, and he and I went up there with the security chief and, and had some encounters every time, we, uh, both nights we were there. And then after that, he decided to have security, and, and it's justified, too. As Chris, as you know, it's been crazy up there. Uh, oh, absolutely. and I were talking about earlier. Intrusions pretty much every day. A lot of it's just kids wanting to scare their, their dates, but it's also really some pretty nasty stuff, nasty vandalism, and um, crazy UFO people that they've, they've had to take measures to deal with. I, I do know that uh, at least some of the security people who've been up there in the last couple of years have had their own experiences. I know that there have been continuing experiences in the larger basin area, uh, but I wish I knew enough about the orb uh, research to tell you more, but I do know I have heard them say that they're interested in the phenomena, and I would have to guess that at least a few of these things are more interesting than just pieces of dust in the in the sky. Right, and, and I, I agree with you on that, and I'd like to know more. One of the uh, questions that uh, we have here, it talks about the dog that this guy uh, used to walk around with, and one of the things that I've always uh, taken note of, especially in the cattle mutilation cases that I investigated, I took along my brother's Pyrenees, who, who was the lead investigator in the first one into a particular site. I think dogs are a very, very good tool. And we've Chip mentioned that sometimes the dogs would roll over and, 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 and act out of character for them, either cower or roll over and... Uh, actually kind of show their necks, so to speak, and, and uh, you know, be uh, subservient to some sort of energy that they were feeling. And uh, uh, how about the dogs? Uh, do you know uh, if, if dog reactions yeah. were ever, ever really uh, yeah. something important that was noted? Yeah, there were a bunch of them and, and fairly dramatic incidents. There was one incident where a, a physicist uh, accompanied by uh, another PhD, they're walking in the, in the middle homestead, and you, you've been there, Chris, but they're walking in the middle homestead at night with these two dogs. All of a sudden, this big black blob starts floating through the trees, and the dogs suddenly stop. They get behind these guys, hide behind their legs. They're cowering in fear and shivering, and then this, this uh, intelligence sort of took over the brain of one of the guys and started speaking through him. And um, these dogs were scared to death. You, you've all seen pictures of the ranch and these strange observation towers that were built uh, with fences around them. Uh, the NIDS team had dogs. They, they call them biosensors. They thought they're, they're so attuned to the environment that they'd be valuable as, as sensory devices, and they put them in these in these um, fences, and so many games were played with the dogs where the locks were ripped off and, and uh, the dogs were let go. You'll also recall the story about uh, that the rancher told about one of the last straws that he had on the property. Okay, we have to stop for a second. We have to do a break, and then we'll get back with more of this discussion. With Gene and Chris, you're in the Paracast. <laughs> Is there a secret UFO agenda? Do strange creatures from the darkest corners of the mind roam the earth? Is there evidence for mind control, time travel, or devious government conspiracies? Find out the inside scoop on the latest conspiracies, paranormal activity, and Freudian phenomena when you subscribe to Tim Beckley's Conspiracy Journal. It's jam-packed with stories, 
special book and DVD promotions, and the best news, it's absolutely free, sent right to your mailbox. Plus, a bonus free email newsletter sent out every Friday. Simply send an email with your name and address to MrUFO at WebTV.net. That's MrUFO at WebTV.net. Find out what they don't want you to know. Have you ever felt like the United States government knows way too much about your financial affairs? I continue to hear stories about property seizures, frozen bank accounts, confiscation of stocks and bonds. It makes me wonder if the U.S. citizen will ever again have the right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Unfortunately, with the Drug and Money Laundering Act, the IRS Revenue Ruling 6045 of 1984, and the Trading with the Enemy Act and Franklin D. Roosevelt's Executive Order of 1933, some precious metal holdings are subject to government intervention. For this reason, Midas Resources has prepared a report explaining the boundaries of trading precious metals privately. Whether if you have any intention of trading with Midas Resources or not, I have instructed my representatives to give this report out free. Call for your free copy at 1-800-686-2237. When investing, always proceed with caution. Again, call 1-800-686-2237. Exercise your legal right to trade metals privately. 1-800-686-2237. We've lived in this neighborhood for years. We have an alarm system and all of our doors have deadbolts. They kicked in our door and were in and out of our house in about five minutes. Police arrived in about 20 minutes, but they were long gone with our TV jewelry and my guns. I kept thinking, what if my family had been home? The police officer said that more than 85% of break-ins are through a door and that deadbolts alone don't stop intruders. The officer told me to go to easyarmor.net if we wanted something that would actually stop an intruder. Easy Armor reinforces all of the weak points on your doors and is guaranteed to prevent kick-ins. I was surprised at how little Easy Armor costs, and I installed Easy Armor in about 30 minutes. Visit easyarmor.net. That's the letters E-Z-A-R-M-O-R.net. Or call 888-58-ARMOR. That's 888-582-7667. EasyArmor.net. Ultimate door security made easy. To have a fighting chance against cold and flu bugs, get the world's best garlic extract, Allison Plus C. Fight viruses, bacteria, and fungi with Allison Plus C. Scientifically proven in double-blind studies using low doses to greatly reduce the number, severity, and duration of common colds. Allison Plus C contains 300 milligrams of stabilized Allison, the active ingredient in crushed garlic. Studies show Allison Plus C is effective against MRSA, bacterial, fungal, and viral infections. One tablet of Allison Plus C has the equivalent of 40 cloves of garlic. Allison Plus C supports your body's resistance to all types of conditions and can help lower high blood pressure and high cholesterol. So boost your body's resistance to infection with nature's best garlic extract. Allison Plus C. To order, call 855-ALLISON. That's 855-255-4246. Or go to allisonplus.com. Spelled A-L-L-I-C-I-N plus.com. Get Allison Plus C from Affinity Health Products. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com. With Gene and Chris of the Paracast, we have George Knapp, 
The show has not gone to the dogs, except that he's telling you about the peculiar or frightened reaction of our canine friends when they're over at Skinwalker well, Ranch. There's the one story, and maybe this is when you were on the phone, Chris, with uh, the ranchers that he's talking on the phone, and uh, this blue meanie, one of these blue objects, is luring the three of his dogs out into the pasture. They're jumping up at it, snapping their jaws, and it stays just out of their reach, and it lures them across the pasture out into the brush, and then all of a sudden it goes out of sight, and the rancher hears these horrible screams, and it, it turns out the next day he finds the remains of these dogs. They've basically just been vaporized, these three greasy spots on the ground. There's one other dog story, uh, is that on the day that this calf was mutilated, in broad daylight on a Sunday morning in full view of the rancher and his wife as they're out tagging the ears of the, these newborn calves, this one calf, the first one that they had tagged, was stripped of 75 pounds of meat in a matter of uh, 30 minutes, no sound, uh, no anything, they were alerted to, to what was going on by a dog, which was started barking in the direction of where they had come, barking in the direction of where this calf had been mutilated. And then the dog took off in the opposite direction, and they never saw it again. So they had a lot of strange reactions to dogs, both the rancher and the Nids family, and, and I think it, it's very telling. Uh, how about the dog man? Do you recall uh, hearing anything about that? I think this would have been December 2009, where... This almost sounds like a, a werewolf-type creature was seen leaping from uh, reservation house to reservation house, uh, leaps uh, of 20 feet or more. It was my understanding that uh, that NIDS uh, personnel hired a private uh, investigator team to go up there and do a survey of some of the witnesses. Uh, do you recall that? I, I don't know much about that one, but I'll tell you an earlier one. And I, you know, this is one of the the only story that Colin Kelleher and I struggled with about whether to include in the book. I mean, it's filled with a whole bunch of weird stuff, uh, but we really had trouble with the story of the dog band. And this is a story that was told by two uh, Native American police officers who had been uh, friendly with the, the Bigelow organization. They're on patrol and they come up to the dirt road that leads to the ranch, and they see a couple of guys standing, smoking cigarettes, wearing trench coats, looking down the dirt road toward the ranch. They shine their light on them, and these guys turn around and look at them, and they were dogs. They had dog faces, smoking cigarettes. The, the two Indian officers look at each other, almost in, in total shock, look back, and these guys are gone. Poof. They walk out of their cars, look around, flash their flashlights. They found two cigarettes that were still burning, uh, but the guys were gone. And I would have thought that was so ridiculous that I, it would hurt our credibility to include it, but we decided to go ahead and throw it in and let people judge it for themselves. And since then, of course, Linda Godfrey has written a couple of books about the dogmen and the, the tribe there that lives in the Fort Duchesne area has had other stories about these creatures that look like men. They're bipedal humanoid shapes but with dog faces. I don't know uh, the results of the investigators that were hired to track that story down, uh, but it would not surprise me at all. It's very consistent with other stories that we've heard in that area and other stories that I've heard since the, the book came out. about. Um, I'm sure you've heard the same kind of things, too. I have, and uh, this uh, one particular incident was um, actually witnessed by law enforcement personnel. It didn't happen on the ranch, but happened uh, up the road in Fort Duchesne. And, and the descriptions that, that I heard, uh, based on some of my, my own research up there and also um, a, a couple of other researchers uh, talked to some folks up there and one of the law enforcement officers 
this thing was actually leaping from rooftop to rooftop uh, with, with, you know, the space of 20 to 30 feet in between these houses, and it was able to cover this distance, uh, in in their estimation, uh, effortlessly. So uh, there's a lot of strange stuff going on out there, (laughs) no question about it. We have an interesting question here, which I did not know uh, this information, but this comes from Black Rock Lobster. He's one of our, um, he's been a poster at forum.theparacast.com for about a year now. And he, he's a Utah resident and he's an avid caver. And he says, I often wonder why is it never mentioned that so many extensive cave systems exist around the area of the ranch in the Uinta Basin? I have been in the caves with six or more miles of passages in that area with subterranean lakes that seem bottomless. And his question is, Is was there any geographic study included in the investigation, he says, that you participated in? Obviously, I, I don't think so, but do you know of any sort of subterranean mapping work that NIDS may have done at some point or any sort of indication that they had an interest in, in possible subterranean uh, negative spaces, cavern systems, that sort of thing in the area? And also... Would you comment on the secrecy surrounding cave locations and their tightly guarded access by groups like the NSS? And I'm not sure. I think he might be talking about NIDS. Yeah, you know what? I have never heard of this extensive cave system. It's completely news to me. And, Chris, I don't know if you've heard of it before, but it's it's news to me. I do know that the NIDS guys were, when they first got on the ranch, were looking for uh, prosaic explanations for a variety of phenomena that have been reported. So they were looking for gravity anomalies. They did a lot of aerial surveys. Uh, they were interested in underground stuff only because of the stories told by the rancher about these strange conditions that were placed on him by the previous owners. No right, digging. About digging. And, and you'll recall that the family that lived there often heard things underground. It was like there was an underground railroad or like a steel mill. Uh, they would hear these sounds. They'd feel the ground rumble. They also would see sometimes bursts of light that would come seemingly out of the ground. Uh, and so there was a lot of stuff that they suspected about underground. I know the NIDS folks uh, in years after the, the peak of the activity uh, regretted that they didn't do more ground activity. They always talked about having ground-penetrating radar. But, of course, you got 480 acres. That's a, that's a lot of ground to cover with ground-penetrating radar, and they never did it. Um, I've never heard about the caves. I don't know it about any gathering uh, uh, protection of, or keeping people out of these caves. I don't think it's NIDS that's doing it. Um, uh, but I did hear about some ca- uh, some uh, canyons that were strictly off limits that the tribe had mentioned. NIDS had tried to get their permission to go uh, to those canyons, uh, which were, I think, a couple of miles from the ranch. And the story that Junior Hicks and others had told is, this supposed skinwalker that would travel the ridge lived in this canyon, uh, and the tribe said, absolutely not, you can't go there, there's no study, white men are not allowed. So uh, that's as close as I get to any caves. How about stories of another canyon that was about 30 miles away, I think to the southwest? Um, one name that I heard associated with it was Dark Canyon. That, oh, yeah. Uh, does that ring a bell? Because uh, evidently there was quite a bit of activity in that area. Some of some of which uh, is quite reminiscent of of, of things that uh, that Terry and, and Gwen were reporting uh, but prior to NIDS arrival. 
Well, we might be talking about the same uh, canyon. I, I'm just guessing that it was a couple miles away. It might have been as far as 30 miles away. But I know that uh, – I don't think we wrote about it, but I know that in conversations with some of the mid folks that they really did want to go to it, uh, but they wouldn't do it without the tribe's permission, and they absolutely could not get it. It might be the same thing you and I are talking about. We'll have so much more to talk about in our final two seconds with George Knapp. With Gene and Chris, you're in the Paracast. The GCN Radio Network, providing the world with hard-hitting talk radio. GCN. Great talk radio starts here. Graphic Converter is the image manipulation tool for the rest of us. It does not use any database. You get full control of all your files. Want to view the images of a folder? Drag it into Graphic Converter, and a powerful browser opens up to show your image files. You could use it for slideshows. You could use it to import images from digital cameras or from scanners. Need to do some image editing? You can do that, too, in Graphic Converter. Also, print catalogs convert from so many formats i can't even list them download now to see if graphic converter is good for you like one and a half million other users guess what you could save money when you buy graphic converter use the coupon code night owl use the coupon code night owl to get a special price for graphic converter go to lemkesoft.com that's l-e-m-k-e soft.com lemkesoft.com l-e-m-k-e soft.com we all know that Berkey Water Purification Systems are the most trusted name in water filtration. As an authorized Berkey dealer for over six years and serving thousands of satisfied customers, the Berkey Guy offers amazing specials for Berkey Water Filtration Systems. The Berkey Light Systems include a set of self-sterilizing and recleanable black purification elements that purify water by removing chlorine, pathogenic bacteria, cysts and parasites to non-detectable levels and remove harmful chemicals such as herbicides and pesticides. Order the Berkey Light System today complete with two black Berkey elements for only $231 and the Berkey guy will ship your order free of charge. With the purchase of a Berkey light, the Berkey guy is also offering a set of fluoride and arsenic filters for only $39.99. That's over 30% off the retail price. Call the Berkey guy at 1-877-886-3653. That's 1-877-886-3653 or order online at goberkey.com. That's goberkey.com today. What do you do when your propane runs out and you don't have a large amount of wood for cooking? That's when you need a Grover Rocket Stove from StockStorage.com. The Grover Rocket Stove starts easily with any combustible material like junk mail, small twigs, leaves, weeds, or dry sagebrush. Then just add a small amount of kindling wood and you'll be cooking entire meals in minutes. Grover Rocket Stoves are made right here in the USA and are built to last a lifetime using heavy-duty thick-gauge steel and are painted with high-temp paint to withstand heat. Go to StockStorage.com and see three great Grover Rocket Stoves, stainless steel, heavy-duty, or our original Grover Rocket Stove for only $135 and get free shipping to the lower 48. For phone orders, call 801-361-6984 or go to StockStorage.com. That's 801-361-6984 or StockStorage.com. The original Grover Rocket Stove Minimal Wood Use Cooking Stoves, available exclusively from StockStorage.com. 
ceramic body armor is rated to stop six hits. But what about the seventh? Unlike ceramic or Kevlar, Infidel body armor is proven to take hit after hit, and it just won't quit. Reasonably priced and designed for the smart civilian prepper, Infidel stops hundreds of hits from small arms to high-powered rifles. That means safety and peace of mind. Buy yours at InfidelBodyArmor.com, spelled I-N-F-I-D-E-L, BodyArmor.com. Infidel Body Armor just won't quit. We the people grow cotton, weave fabric, engrave ink, embed strips and fibers to protect from counterfeit and carting to a private bank, having it led back at interest, forcing taxes to service debt. This capitalism, or was Jefferson correct when stating a central bank issuing the public currency is a greater menace to the liberties of the people than a standing army? Hi, Ted Anderson. I'm placing a free silver dollar in a book that explains our monetary system. Call for your copy, 800-686-2237. It's time to understand the system. Call 800-686-2237. That's 800-686- Hi, this is Don Ecker, and you are tuned into the Paracast. Let me tell you what, you're going to hear stuff here that you probably won't hear anywhere else. Hear that, George Snorri? With Gene and Chris on the Paracast, George Knapp, investigative journalist, award-winning investigative journalist, who was one of the co-authors of The Hunt for the Skinwalker, and has covered this field for so many years with the tolerance of his bosses. Chris, you were asking questions from our question bank section at forum.theparacast.com. I know there are a few more left. Would you proceed? Indeed. And this comes from uh, Son of a Skunk. Uh, I always wondered where he got the name from, and he kind of lets us know in his question. He says, my dad worked for the Lockheed Skunk Works back in the day, hence the username. He was a journeyman machinist, but all the way up into his 80s, he would never discuss what he did there. In fact, it wasn't until years after he retired that he would even admit that he worked in that part of Lockheed. I've always understood his loyalty to his country, its secrets, and applaud him for it. But my question is this. Obviously, in your investigation of the Skunk Works Area 51, etc., you've also run into this reluctance to talk. How much of the history of these places, projects, and workers do you feel has been lost forever because workers like my dad refuse to say anything, even anonymously? And he also adds, P.S., thanks for so promptly answering my recent email to you about your public speaking schedule in the good old days at Caesar's Palace. (laughs) Uh, Well, Skunk, I I will tell you this. I think a lot of that history has been lost because of excessive secrecy. I mean, stuff was classified that, uh, so deep and dark down in a hole that it'll never come out. I applaud the efforts of people like the Roadrunners that seven years ago or so they came out. That I think I got the first TV interviews with them where they were got clearance from the CIA to finally talk about projects they worked on 50 years ago, the SR-71, uh, the, the U-2, uh, the A-12, these amazing machines that helped win the Cold War that were developed right out there at Area 51, but there's a heck of a lot of secrets that have not been uh, cleared uh, for them to talk about. I'm glad for the ones that we do know. Those guys are a different generation, you know. When they took an oath to keep a secret, they kept it. And and uh, very few of them have, have talked about the things that they worked on. They wouldn't even tell their own wives, and it's too bad. I, I think that the Skunk Works is a key to the whole mystery, that if anyone in the private sector were to be given the hardware recovered from some crash site or something and somebody hands it over and said, figure out how this works, it would be them. Uh, Ben Rich, the late Ben Rich, gave many hints uh, to that effect. He uh, said to aviation writers that uh, all of us know that that we have things that could go to the stars that would make George Lucas drool. 
anything you could imagine. We can already do it. We're 50 years ahead of it. Uh, he talked about UFOs as being real, both uh, man-made and made by somebody else. Uh, I had a chance to interview Ben Rich on the tarmac at Nellis Air Force Base on the day that the F-117 was first made public, and I asked him the question, hey, uh, Mr. Rich, the story's been told that you developed uh, these plane and the uh, uh, and others with alien technology, and he, he stopped and he hesitated and smiled, a wry kind of smile, and they said, no, it's just good old American technology. But I know in a deathbed confession that he said it's much more than that, that these secrets are so black and so far down in the hole, they will never come out uh, for national security reasons, which I think are completely exaggerated. And it's a shame. Yeah, I especially loved his comment. I think it was to a symposium of engineers, something about we have the technology to to take E.T. home or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Okay, I have a, a number of questions from Blabby Boy that kind of goes into your work as a uh, investigative journalist. And he says, first of all, thanks for bringing a bit more bite to the hosts on Coast to Coast in terms of quizzing guests on the show, which I have to uh, also second that that comment. He's interested in how other reporters there in the Vegas area handle some of these types of stories. And, you know, you are quite courageous to go out and, and really dig into stories that aren't shall we say, uh, that could possibly be <laughs> controversial, uh, especially stories like Bob Lazar and, and, and the like, which uh, we've already discussed. But he's guessing, uh, Blabby Boy, is that you get leads and tips frequently for strange happenings in your area. Do you know of any other hosts or reporters for other TV networks that have the same goal or interest? I'm not expecting names, but... He does wonder if there are a small number in your profession who may tip each other off if they hear of incidents in the region or uh, in their network coverage or stories that they're working on that maybe they don't want to do that maybe they think you can or vice versa. Or is it a truly lonesome task and others would only cover it if they're ordered to do it? In other words, George, are, are there any other reporters out there with the stature and the uh, you know, you're you're the guy there, and uh, he, I think what he's wondering is, is there anybody else that's willing to to take these risks that you take? Uh, I don't think so. I, and you know, a lot of it has to do with the nature of the business. People come into Las Vegas uh, in the journalism profession; they want to be here for a couple of years and then go to some bigger market, so they don't stick around long enough to have a lot of uh, stature. And you got to have some kind of a background. Uh, you know, uh, Chris and Gene, both of you, it's a big learning curve to get over the hump on this thing. Oh, it takes a long time to figure out what's real, what isn't. You have to figure out who the absolute charlatans are to separate wheat from chaff. It takes time. And, and uh, in the TV business, uh, not many people have the time. They get a new assignment every day. Uh, there is no such thing as a beat system. And, uh, and and a lot of it has to do with uh, other people don't cover it because they figure it's my beat, and 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 uh, you know maybe they'll do it in sweeps for a quick rating spike, but that's about it. There is no secret network of people who uh, share information in this regard. Uh, I am sad to say. I would also think here that some of those people are thinking, look, I'm going to get into L.A., New York, Chicago, or something. Yeah. I don't want to get yeah. involved in this UFO stuff. That's going to hurt my reputation. Yeah, it does you no favors. I think, uh, you know, I'm happy where I am. I've had offers to go elsewhere, but I, I, I wouldn't uh, want to do it because I, I have so much freedom to do what I want here, and it's a great news market. But I, I'm sure that the UFO stuff has put some sort of an upper cap on my career if I wanted to try to go somewhere because everywhere I go, uh, 
I'm a UFO guy. I mean, in, yeah. in <laughs> journalism circles, and yeah. Yeah, you're, 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 you're slimed and stained. Yeah, that's all right. That's okay. Comes with the territory. Well, it sure does out out in that, in that neck of the woods with um, S4 and you know Dreamland and everything out there. I mean, it's 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 kind of your your ace in the hole and your your way to sort of say, well, look, you know, a lot of this stuff is being misconstrued. We need to you know separate what is uh, you know what's homegrown and what uh, maybe possibly some something else and. And that is probably the only market where, where you would be able to really do that uh, major market. Well, you're right, and and that more, most of what I do in this arena is more weeding stuff out and explaining things. Now, that's a bolide meteor, or going down to uh, the Colorado River a couple of years ago when some odd craft had been seen down there, and people thought it was aliens invading our flying saucer. And, Pretty sure it was some sort of a test aircraft that sort of got off the reservation or something. Right. Explaining things, uh, missile shots from Vandenberg, things of that sort. I don't get a whole lot of uh, really interesting, crisp UFO sightings. Right. And, and what do you do with it? What do you do with it, even if it, if it's good? Even if you've got uh, video to go along with it, there's not much you can do with it other than show. Look, here it is. You know, there, there's not much investigation that that goes into it after. You show the video. Well, and and I think we should remind uh, our listeners that uh, you're not a one-trick pony. I mean, your award-winning work with with uh, uh, any number of stories, including your your 20-plus year odyssey of reporting on the wild horse uh, uh, scenario out there, and and you know the years and years of work that you put in covering those, uh, you know, the story of of those animals. Uh, so I mean, there's it, it, Vegas isn't a bi- a very big city, but it's very intense, and there's a lot of there's a lot of newsworthy stuff that needs to be reported on there. Um, he uh, Blabbyway has another couple of questions, and uh, this is a good one. Uh, is there a particular historical case that you would have loved to have reported on, and why? Uh, I guess he, he's not couching that as some sort of paranormal or UFO uh, case, but Potentially, uh, is there some sort of uh, case that maybe you could have uh, been involved with or would have liked to have been involved with uh, in your career? And you know what, George? Uh, You're going to answer that question in just a moment. George Knapp joining Gene and Chris. You're in the Paracast. America's number one source for independent talk radio for over a decade. We are the GCN Radio Network. If you want to get your website online and you need reliable service, first-class service at the lowest possible price, there's only one place to go. Well, DreamHost has a special promotion with our show where they'll offer you unlimited disk space, unlimited bandwidth, one-click web apps such as WordPress, 24-7 support. You can save over $55. You want to know how? Go to DreamHost.com radio, DreamHost.com radio. 
whether it's personal mail, whether it's business email, you want reliable, dependable delivery, freedom from spam, freedom from viruses. Well, Polaris Mail offers professional email hosting services for your personal or small business use. Each account uses 25 gigabytes of storage, an easy-to-use webmail interface, and full mobile sync. Sign up today for a 30-day free trial at PolarisMail.com, PolarisMail.com. We travel so much, and having a fake TV, well, it gives added peace of mind. Burglars look for houses that appear to be easy targets. But fake TV can fool even professional burglars into thinking someone is home watching television. As a recent widow living alone, it gives me great peace of mind to set my fake TV near a window and know that passing motorists and pedestrians will think someone is home watching TV when I'm actually away from home. Fake TV easily plugs into any outlet, just like a light on a timer. And they're so easy to use, you just plug them in and they're ready to go. Plus, they're so affordable that we have one upstairs and downstairs. Fake TV is only $29.95 with free shipping. Order your fake TV by calling 877-5-FAKE-TV or go to faketv.com. That's 877-532-5388 or faketv.com. Fake TV, the burglar deterrent. Virtually anyone could be tracking you right now through your cell phone. The fact is, anyone can track your calls, your text, emails, your every movement, but only if they can detect a signal. That's the new warning from the American Civil Liberties Union. It's just released the results of an investigation that found law enforcement agencies across the country track personal cell phones on a regular basis as a form of surveillance. That's why you need Blocket Pocket. Blocket Pocket is a standard or custom designed cloth pocket infused with pure silver that creates a complete Faraday enclosure for any mobile device. With Blocket Pocket, all incoming and outgoing signals are blocked, including harmful radiation, and your device cannot be hacked or tracked by anyone. Handmade in the USA, Blocket Pocket costs less than $30 and ships free to the lower 48. Call 888-315-9618 or click Blocket Pocket, spelled B-L-O-C-K-I-T-P-O-C-K-E-T dot com. Blocket Pocket, enhancing health and privacy. Being prepared against possible food shortages and economic collapse is not complicated. Just remember two words, disaster, stuff. Add.com after those two words and you've got just one site for all your preparedness needs. Disasterstuff.com prepares your family against food shortages with Linden Farms freeze-dried foods in buckets or gourmet reserves, freeze-dried food in number 10 cans, both with free shipping. Purify and rid your water of contaminants with a Big Berkey or other Berkey system and get free shipping plus a water level spigot or fluoride filter at cost and protect your radios and other electronics from EMPs with our EMP Faraday bags starting at just $5.90 when the food shortages and economic instability happens be ready with all your stuff from disasterstuff.com just remember two words disasterstuff.com freedom through self-reliance and personal responsibility this is Jerome Clark, author of the UFO Encyclopedia and other books. You're listening to the Paracast. George Knapp joining Gene and Chris in the Paracast, asking so many of your questions at forum.theparacast.com just before we did the break. 
Chris asked a rather long question from one of our regular listeners. George, your response? I think uh, maybe one of the most interesting and persuasive cases is the Iranian uh, Air Force uh, incident. I think it was 1976. Uh, Our government did the best uh, to hide the documents. These uh, warplanes, this uh, giant uh, UFO was seen flying around. Warplanes went after it. Their radios were disabled. Their uh, uh, military equipment, their offensive capabilities were disabled. A uh, pretty well-documented case that that I think was is very persuasive, especially when you read about it in, in documents that were once classified. I think the JAL, the Japan Airlines case, Alaska, uh, with this gigantic UFO that was detected on all sorts of radar. Uh, it looked like a, a walnut that's twice as big as a 747 and and uh, I think they tried to explain it as a way as um, lights uh, flashing off the, the fishing fleet below or the planet Jupiter, which is just insulting. Those are pretty good cases. Of course, I wish I'd been around at Roswell in 1947 when that happened and to be there to see what really goes on because that I still suspect that that's an important case, but it is so hopelessly muddled. The water's so muddied over the years with so many BS stories and phony witnesses and counter uh, competing claims, I, I don't know that it's ever going to be uh, sorted out. The problem is, I think, for people like the three of us, uh, that uh, you know, we, we, we strive to search for truth and get to the bottom of what really is going on, the people who want to obscure these facts are better at their jobs than we are at ours. And maybe it's easier for them to obscure things because they toss out bogus explanations of scientists who don't want to take on this topic are only happy to grasp onto them and do very little investigation, and it becomes frustrating. Uh, ultimately, it becomes very frustrating to have uh, media people and scientists and government give so little credence to the topic when we know that there is, is really good evidence to pursue if somebody has the guts uh, to pursue it. Yeah, boy, I, I know the feeling on that one, especially when it comes to uh, the cow uh, question that I've been wrestling with for uh, quite some years. I'm in the midst of finishing up research, and uh, I'm writing what I, I hope to be uh, the definitive look at the cattle mutilation phenomenon. Of course, your co-author, Comb Kelleher, um, did a, a, just an absolute amazing job uh, with his book Brain Trust, which uh, along with Hunt for the Skinwalker, I highly recommend. Uh, I think this is a huge news story. I think the beef lobby in this country is somehow suppressing knowledge of uh, potential food chain problems in beef and other animals, chicken, pork, and as well. But uh, it does take a certain amount of <laughs> cojones to, to dig into some of these types of stories. And this is another kind of procedural question from Blabby Boy, and I think it's a good one. Uh, is there a tip-off or a lead that you've ignored that turned out to be bigger than you thought? And what kind of – do you just report the facts, uh, or do you have an end goal in, in, in mind? Do you just let the facts lead you where you where they do, or do you actually kind of go on hunches and, and look for supporting information where you would normally not? And ha- have you ever not, let's say, gone after a particular story that turned out to be a, a big – a big deal. One that would come to mind for me would be, uh, you know, the Arabs leaving and being able to fly out of Vegas and in Los Angeles uh, the day after 9/11. That would be a, a story that I, I felt didn't didn't get enough attention. But but how about you? I mean, that's a wild and raucous town. Have there been some stories that you could have jumped on that you didn't? 
Yeah, I'm, I kind of think about how to approach this. Uh, sure, I, <laughs> sure. There's there's tons. I mean, there's only so much uh, to go around, you know. And and this is a really busy town. You got all lo- all roads lead to Las Vegas. Rich people and sportscasters and sports figures and celebrities, drug dealers, and every ne'er do well on the planet ends up coming here. You can't believe how many fugitives we get. Uh, bank managers have embezzled a, a big pile of money. Uh, people on the run, gangsters, uh, crooked politicians. I mean, it's a great news town. So I've missed plenty of them uh, because there just aren't enough hours in the day, you know. And uh, uh, that one that you mentioned about the uh, Saudis being here, we didn't even know for a while, you know, and, and we're pretty mad about it. In fact, we didn't even know for a while about the 9-11 guys being here in town and having several meetings. I'm, I know for a fact that there have been uh, forays by suspected terrorists they come in posing as tourists, take pictures, have been caught sort of in sensitive areas around hotels, soft targets, sort of like Mumbai, and the story doesn't get much traction. I've done a little bit of reporting on that, but nobody wants to say it because they don't want to scare people away from Las Vegas. Uh, the fact is that stuff does happen, and, and I think it needs more reporting. In the UFO area, there's tons of stuff I wish I could, could report, but you do have to follow your gut. And a lot of times people call you up with just bits and pieces of the story. Uh, they can't support any of it, so you have to let it go. I mean, you have to, you know, there there are uh, bills to pay and stories to do and newscasts to fill. And unless uh, a UFO story is particularly compelling and is related to Nevada, something that's specific to my area where I work, I, I really can't pursue it. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you, you do have those that regional sort of market handcuff, pair of handcuffs on, yeah. Unless maybe uh, some big mothership came down and sucked up the Luxor uh, or landed on the Luxor <laughs> and it was like a giant key or something. <laughs> yeah, that would be a I'm good ready one. for that. Yeah. By the way, Chris, if you uh, are going to finish this mutilation book, I sure hope you'll consider uh, giving me an interview, even though it's the Hated Coast to Coast show. That's a big audience, and I'm sure no, I, like I, to hear about George, it. I, I, I think Coast to Coast is a great show when, when you're there as the host. And believe me, I'm one of your biggest fans. I think you are, you know, one of the best, if not the best, uh, interviewer that that show has ever had. Art Bell, you know, was very good at what he did, but uh, there was a certain amount of entertainment value. You really, uh, you go for it, and you really want to know the truth. You want to dig in and and really pull out the pertinent information uh and uh i i think you're more like gene and myself and 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 a few others in this field that are really looking at getting to the to the heart of these matters i have one good kind of final question here i think uh, we're kind of running out of time but it's a little bit open-ended but where do you think george this is all going uh blabby boy wants to know if you actually feel What's happening in regards to these strange events and alleged cover-ups is really going anywhere. Do you think we're going to be spinning our wheels and and just kind of rehashing Roswell for uh, the next several generations? Uh, oh, please don't give us that. <laughs> well, I, I use that as a... <laughs> I use that as a... Oh, that's uh, going to be our worst nightmare. Yeah. Well, <laughs> Where's it I, all I going, suspect... George? I mean, is there any hope? Uh you know, Gene and I sort of touched on a little bit, but I don't have a lot of hope. I, I don't think there's any dramatic disclosure coming, not from our government anyway. If it happens, it's uh, going to be at the hands of the visitors, the other intelligence, or a foreign government, China or Russia or Brazil. We're not going to admit it because uh, we've lied about it for too long. You know, we've painted ourselves into a corner. 
I, I can't imagine any leader of this country coming out with some kind of a revelation because there's too many other questions that would follow that they can't answer. So I think it continues as a gradual process. It seems to me, it feels to me as if the pace has quickened in in the last year. Different insiders coming forward with little tidbits, sort of running it up the flagpole, seeing how it goes, and then moving on to something else. I, I I think that's part of a program. I wouldn't have said that a year ago. I wouldn't have said it maybe six months ago, but I've been told enough now by people whose judgment I trust, people who travel in really interesting circles, but who are, you know, they don't want any fingerprints on, on something that they tell to me, that it is happening, that it is real, that there is a faction, finally, that uh, wants to pick up the pace and get us ready for something in case somebody else makes an announcement or in case there's an event that's unforeseen. I hope that's the case. You know, there's people like Stan Friedman been at this for so long, dedicated their entire lives, 60 years or more, and they're no, we're no closer to, we're not one bit closer to answering any of the big questions. I always said, I hope this is going to happen before I reach 114, which I think is next year. Some people think of that. <laughs> so we can check you out, of course, at KLAS-TV Channel 8 in Las Vegas. We can check Chris out at OurStrangePlanet.com. And you can check us out. We're known as the Paracast on Twitter. Also, you go to theparacast.com, check our web portal, our forums, and so much more. George and I, thank you so much for joining us this week on the Paracast. Thanks, guys. Always a pleasure. Yeah, thank you so much, George. The Paracast. Featuring Gene Steinberg and Christopher O'Brien is a copyrighted presentation of Making the Impossible Incorporated. Tune in next week for a new adventure in The Paracast.